0: Well, hello everybody, this is Tim Green with Rattle Magazine, and welcome to Rattlecast number 209. So glad you could join me. Today's guest, Elizabeth McMunn-Tatenko, is here. She'll be with us in a few minutes, but before we begin, I should say that Rattle is a publication of the Rattle Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit working to promote the practice of poetry We've been in continuous publication since 1995 and are unaffiliated with any other organization. Uh, we just do this. We love poetry. I know you do, do too, so please do click the like button and share. Make sure you're subscribed. Ring the bell. Follow us on various platforms. Um, whatever you can do. The, the you know the, It's a word of mouth type advertising. So if you want to, you know, poetry doesn't keep up with other sort of topics and subject matter. So how to get poetry shared and spread is to say, hey, I watched the Rattlecast and, you know, it was great last night. Post it somewhere. It really helps. It helps a lot to generate a lot more traffic. Like certain, you know, we had um, Ian McGilchrist's thing on and Ian McGilchrist's fans were all tweeting about it. And then that's got like thousands of extra views. And so it really works. So go ahead and, and do that later if you enjoy the show. Now, as we always do, we're going to start with a Poetry respond poet and a really familiar face. Abby's been a main guest. She's been on Poetry Response several times. Always great to see her. Um, Here she is, Abby E. Mary. Hey, Abby, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well, Tim. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's always a pleasure. I mean, I love that you submit poems like almost every week because they're always good. Like there's no doubt when uh, Poetry Response started, I always worried, like, what if we get no poems? I'll have to like write... (laughs) you know like fake a poem and like have a fake pen name in case there's like no good poems but there always is because people right. like you and like Dick Westheimer and, and other people who are regulars sort of um, submit poems yeah. every week that are great and um, and it's great to have another one uh, this week about the uh, supermoon which I saw I didn't realize it was coming up and I just was driving down the street, and then it was just like, "Oh my God!" Like it was actually noticeably different. And my son in the back seat was like, "Yeah, Dad, that's the blue supermoon. moon." <laughs> I was like, "Okay." <laughs> so, uh, so tell us about how this poem came to be. There's there's other stuff that's about too. Of course, it's a conglomeration of things. But how did this poem come to be?
1: Yeah, I'm this is kind of um, a collection of different conversations that I've had with my daughter and um, some of them revolve around not just the blue supermoon, but all of the different moon phases that we have, you know, it seems like I always find out like the morning of. Um, usually when I'm scrolling through headlines and stuff, um, there's a blue supermoon. I don't I don't really follow it usually. Um, but my daughter is nine and, and uh, she's really precocious and very curious. And um, she's probably a little bit more aware of the news headlines than other nine year olds, maybe. Um, and so the supermoon, she was just like, I don't understand why is this a big deal? And uh, we you know, I was like, but it's cool. You know, it's like when it's the brightest and closest to the, to our our planet, this is impressive. And like, we tried to look at it and it was too cloudy. And she was like, what am I even doing here? And uh, we've also been having some conversations lately about trauma. And um, uh, she had asked me point blank, like, mom, is it worth it, like to grow up in such a cruel world? And I was like, caught off guard. Um, you know, I hadn't had enough coffee yet. So that and the super moon kind of all came together to create
0: the poem. Yeah, it's been fun, too, because my son's uh, nine as well. So we kind of, every time we see yeah. your poem with your daughter, it's like, my son there, too, a little bit. So it's really cool. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, the supermoon this year, I'm used to it being like, there's all these science news stories that are like total filler and completely fake and who cares. And the, and the idea <laughs> of the blue moon and the hunter moon, all the other moons that are just two in a month, it's just random and silly. But this moon is actually the biggest moon, the brightest moon we're going to have <laughs> for the next uh like what i guess 14 years or something i think yeah. it said, uh, and yeah. it was noticeably bigger it was really really big yeah. in the sky we had there's some great photos from the local amateur photographers too uh in our town um you know from the ridges and stuff it's it was amazing Um, yeah i
1: i heard it was amazing and i saw lots of great pictures um (laughs) in the pacific northwest though it was like yeah i'm sure it's great somewhere (laughs)
0: yeah well sorry for rubbing it in but i just it it was really great (laughs) but let's let's hear the poem so uh, everybody knows what we're talking about okay
1: sounds good all right this is supermoon it doesn't arrive so much as continue to exist this blue supermoon exactly who she was just days before When she's this bright though, I tell my daughter, and this close, we give her another name, that's all. I want to add that human kindness is like this, never really changing, never gone. This week she asked me if it was worth it, growing up in a cruel world. That's the name she gave it, the name it earned, cruel. So we sat outside at night to wait for something spectacular to prove itself. We craned our necks like tourists in a cathedral, expecting to see the tidy, timely face of God. And all we got was a persuasion of clouds, so thick and cold, we had to guess where the moon might be glowing. We had to point where the gloom was thinnest and say there, as if it was only as extraordinary as it was out of sight for us for now but it was happening it was true for thousands of years in a row
0: yeah that's a beautiful poem uh, that was supermoon by Abby E Murray and i just love that extended metaphor there too i mean there's so many poems that that you know, We start in negative places because we're, we're struggling to get through things is how poems usually work. And then, um, and then to have a poem that, that turns and, and shines light on positive things, too, is really nice. And, and the way that there is this sort of background of kindness behind so much of the world that we don't see all the time because the negativity and, and the violence and the, the things we're anxious about all stand out so much. But, but there are beautiful things happening all the time
1: there really are. And they've been happening as long as the terrible things have been happening as well. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, yeah, no, I hear you that the metaphor kind of came at like a perfect time in our, our families. Uh, life and i always want to write about that positivity and i never i start out trying to do it and the poem goes where it wants to go and it's not usually positive so
0: this time yeah. it actually kind of worked yeah well it really did uh, thanks so much for sharing it. a lot of people loved it and it was shared you know very widely on uh, the social medias as they say so uh, it's great to have a poem be able to do that thanks for sharing it That's always abby always a pleasure yeah, hearing from you and getting to share your yeah. poems Thanks. Yep, take care. Bye. Bye. That was Abby E. Murray with uh, Supermoon once again. It's a wonderful poem, uh, this week's Poet of uh, Poets Respond Poet. Now we're going to take a quick break and go to our main guest, Elizabeth McMunn Tatenko. So sit tight, and I will be right back with more poetry. And we're back. Thanks for your patience. Like I said, this week's guest is uh, Elizabeth mcmunn Tatenko. She lives in California's Central Valley with her husband and son. She co-edits One Sentence Poems, an online journal of short poetry, and also works as a librarian. So we'll talk about all that. In addition to writing and reading, she enjoys running with her dog, kayaking and exploring as much of the world she, as she possibly can. Uh, she's appeared five times in Rattle's Poets Respond, and another five in the Frastic Challenge, which between the two might be a record. So we have a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, the online um, specials um, veterans here this week. She's got a whole bunch of chapbooks. We have various lies. We have The Empty Clock. We have Lion Hunt. And there's another one forthcoming. So we're going to be looking at a whole bunch of different chapbooks. That'll be fun to talk about, too. Uh, but here she is, Elizabeth Tatengo. Hey, Elizabeth. How are you again?
2: Hi, I'm doing really well. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you on
0: again. I mean, you were on just a couple weeks ago uh, with uh, Poets Respond poem, the, the Speedo <laughs> haiku, which was just wonderful, <laughs> uh, with the heat dome. That was great. It's good to see you again. You too. Um, do you want to start out with a poem?
2: Yeah, yeah, I think that sounds great. Okay. Just trying to remember the page number. Let's see,
0: we had uh, coyotes on page 11 is the first one on the list.
2: Oh, perfect. Okay. There we go. All right. Coyotes, coyotes on the hill across the lake are scattered stones, sharp high barks. You listen, lying flat, awake in the old tent. It was your father's, thin and gray as a weak lung. My escape, he said, packing on a Friday, kneeling hard on the lean fabric to force out unwanted air. Your breath catches on the nylon, makes it cry. You wonder if your father lay here, all alone, with the limp pulse of the water in his ears like a reminder. Did he think about coyotes, about children, with their smiles and vacant eyes, just across town?
0: Yeah, and great turn at the end of that poem there, Coyotes, again, by Elizabeth McMunn-Tatenko from her book, Various Lies, which is the most recent one that's currently available, the, the uh, one we'll talk about later. Um, is forthcoming very soon, I think. Uh, Beach reading is the next one coming out. But uh, there's so many books here, Elizabeth, and it's it's great. Um, what is it? First of all, that's a great example of your style, that poem, because you, you do these really tight, um, you know, short poems that, uh, you know, that have a lot concentrated, like tightly packed as possible, which is always fun to read, especially, you know, from an editor's point of view. Like I'm sitting here reading all these poems and it's like a breath of fresh air to get something that has a lot of content that's really tight with a little music and that little short lyrical form. So how did you develop that style is the first thing I wanted to ask about. Was there something that that drew you to poems like that um, in particular?
2: Yeah, I think I've always really liked poems like that. Um, I always think about this poem. I I think it's called I Know a Man by Robert Creeley. And I feel like that's very like packed um, in and I really like that. Um, I also feel like just personally, I really have a lot of trouble with writing kind of narrative poems and ones where it has, you know, where it's telling more of a story. Um, I feel like I have to really just kind of get to emotion and get to kind of important details and it's just I think how my brain works because I've tried <laughs> writing poems other ways. Um, and it just it just doesn't come out for me. Um, but yeah and I'm so glad you mentioned the kind of like my attempt at musicality a little bit because it's really important to me how it reads and how it feels. Um, so I end up thinking about that a lot um, when I'm doing other things and trying to like, change things around mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Well, that, that's
0: what always stands out too. I mean, a, a short poem is one thing, but the needs to have the music to make it, you know, really sing and come to life as a poem. Um, and I do love the Creely. I pulled it up. I don't know. Maybe I should read it. The Creely is just, uh, one of my favorite poems too. I've, I haven't read it in a long time, but, uh, but I'll read it really quick. Cause this is the one, um, that, uh, Elizabeth was talking about. It's I know a man. Um, and, uh, it goes, I know a man, "'As I said to my friend, because I am always talking, "'John,' I said, which was not his name. "'The darkness surrounds us. "'What can we do against it, or else shall we, and why not? "'Buy a goddamn big car. "'Drive,' he said. "'For Christ's sake, look out where you're going.' And I love that. Uh, I love the sort of the, the drunken speech of that, and the um, <laughs> and uh, which was not his name too. So there's a humor in that, which which comes across. I, I, it's really interesting to see that as an example of um, the kinds of poems you write, because the humor comes across too. Like all the elements that I love of that poem um, are sort of manifest and blossoming through your your book. So that's really cool to hear.
2: Cool. <laughs> Yeah, I love that
0: one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and and so you're a librarian too. Um, so, so I'm curious about your journey through you know life into becoming a librarian and and into poetry. Did those sort of it seems like they're related? Did they coalesce at the same time? Was it something you did early on, or, or later that you thought of you know got into it?
2: So I feel like I'm kind of a librarian cliche. I've always loved reading and books and writing. Um, and so I always, you know, I wrote poems as a child. I have all these little probably horrible notebooks, (laughs) poems I wrote in high school and in middle school. Um, And then librarianship came like a lot later. I had been a high school teacher for a few years, and I was realizing that I really liked working with students. I really liked helping people, but I didn't like the whole kind of power differential as much. And I was really interested in trying to do something where I could help people, but where it was more, um, where it was less, you know, where I felt like I was like an authority figure um, too. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up going to, we have a cat interruption. Um, I ended up going to library school um, and I really liked it. And then I ended up becoming an academic librarian. So I'm at UC Merced and I really like that too. I feel like I get to work with a lot of students. I get to talk to them about what they're working on, which I love just hearing what other people's research is about. And I feel like it gets, um, it lets me see a lot of different things too. So I get to um, read a lot about what other people are working on a research lots of different things which i also mm-hmm. like because i feel like i i'm constantly like oh what? tell me about this what about that <laughs>
0: do you find that those topics like come you know into your poems
2: sometimes they do yeah and that's i think what i've liked about the poets respond poems too is that i like just kind of finding things mm-hmm. and trying to write about them and um and just kind of trying to see what's out there too
0: yeah uh, well let's hear the next poem in uh, in various slides that you wanted to share
2: yeah. Do you remember what page it was?
0: Let me look up really quick. It's uh, page 13, Docs.
2: Oh, perfect. OK, thank you. Docs. We used to drive to the old movie house in your dead brother's car and pay to watch the midnight horror shows. I'd bite my palm, but never hard enough to bleed. Sometimes your hand would reach for my hand in the dark, and it made me think of boats, how after we left, they'd rest against the docks in the dark water.
0: Yeah, and that was Docs again from Various Lies. Um, so, so we're reading from Various Lies. Um, tell us about this book. What was the the theme that brought the book together?
2: So, this one, I had I hadn't published any chapbooks when this one came out, and I really kind of wanted to try it. And so, I feel like this one didn't have as much of a theme in terms of just, it was more just kind of, okay, I want to pull together poems that I like. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like too, there is this theme of dishonesty though, that's going through it, just kind of looking at it. And that's the the poem that that I named it after too. Just this idea of people not necessarily telling lies like overtly, but just these sort of small bits of dishonesty, like our hands are almost touching, but they're not they're not quite going to make it there. Or, you know, this man in in the tent with the coyotes where he's out there. He wants to be with the children. The children wants to be with him. But it's just like just not able to connect. And mm-hmm. so I think that's kind of a theme that goes through that one. Yeah,
0: it is. It's a great metaphor um, within the book. like a central metaphor tying it all together because there is a sense of, um, um, you know, like, like that. I don't know. Like there's an undercurrent it's like little vignettes that have little undercurrent of something. And the fact that you're thinking of the lies, it's one of those titles where it makes you read the poem a certain way. Cause you're thinking about how it fits into the various lies, um, theme that that's moving through the collection. And so that's a really interesting way to, to, especially for a chapbook length, I think it works really well. Is there something as a librarian? I mean, it's interesting that you've written, you know, you've had a bunch of chapbooks, um, and, and chapbooks are notoriously like hard to archive and, and getting in libraries and things like that. There are a few, um, like Beyond Baroque here in L.A. has a chapbook library, which is really neat. Um, But it's so hard to do that because there's no spine. And so, you know, and there's no ISBN often. And it's just hard. Um, What do you think about about that aspect of the chapbook? Because it is the one downside. I love chapbooks so much. But from like an archival sort of standpoint, it makes it difficult.
2: Yeah, it definitely does. I feel like they're almost like zines in a way. I feel like I'm not the only person who's made that connection, but where it's kind of like it's small, it comes out, um, and you can try to archive it, but it is really hard. Like I know what UC said; we don't have um, like a print journal collection. Most of them are archived online, um, which makes it nice because they're easy to get to. But it's also hard if you want to just kind of find a room that has, you know. Like all of the journals, and you get to just kind of explore through them. So, um, but yeah, it's really difficult. There's so much that's you know that's published, and so much that's interesting that I want to see, and just you know, not enough time to go through all of it.
0: Yeah, it's true. I mean, I fell in love with poetry myself. Going to uh, the University of Rochester's library, the stacks there, and there's a whole floor was live was poetry, and then just going around randomly picking things reading a poem or two you like, and eh, not that book and then picking another one and, and you know just finding random things and that's really you know i used to have a rule right if i'd go to the library for anything i'd get at least two poetry books you know and it was just a fun thing and i just the surprises would, that would come up and it's really the browsing experience is gone when you when you're you know you're calling up things in a database so um that is the sad thing do you have um what are the students like in Merced? Is there a lot of interest in poetry? Or is that a program? Like, do you, do, do you get to do anything with poetry in your job? I guess is what I'm going to ask.
2: <laughs> so I've done a little bit with it. Um, I know that um, the Center for the Humanities does a lot. Um, we had a thing that they invited me to help, the, to help with too, because there are a lot of poets and writers who um, work at UC Merced. And so we did, um, we basically wrote little poems based on themes. I forget how we got the themes. Um, and so we've done that. And there is there is a lot going on in terms of poetry and um, and writing in general. But UC Merced, I feel like is more STEM focused. Um, So our biggest majors tend to be more like biology or some STEM affiliated, although there are a lot of psychology majors, too. Um, So I don't do as much with it there, although they're definitely in the writing program and in the Center for the Humanities are, are a lot of people who are doing a lot with, with poems. And it's neat to see what they're doing. Like I have a colleague right now who I think is having a zine themed class, mm-hmm. which is very cool. Um, and she's having all of her students create zines. And I think she has even the syllabus is in that format. And so there's a lot of creativity, but it's not as much like an arts focused school. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And how does it work um, getting books and journals into a library like that? Is that something is acquisitions, like someone's separate job or do you, do you play a part in acquisitions too?
2: So somebody else actually does it. Um, mm-hmm. We have somebody who's our head of collections and, and he does that. Um, I tend to do a lot of instruction and I help people with research a mm-hmm. lot. So when someone needs something, I I try to help them find it.
0: Yeah. I mean, just, I'm just trying to, for personal reasons, I always want to get more, you know, rattle in more libraries. I think it's in about I don't know, like for college-type libraries, I think it's written around 100 or so, but it'd be nice to, oh, there's so many cool. colleges in the, in the, you know, country, you know, it'd be nice to get more, I'm sure. I know everyone has poetry, so I'm always jealous. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but let's hear another poem uh, from various slides. We had, uh, next up on page five, um, you had uh, the baby.
2: Oh, yeah, okay. The baby. Her heartbeat might have hounded you like guilt, and so you buried her the way you hid the baby books you looked at stuffing them down in your bag. You never brought them back. Was it stealing? No one talks about the boy now anyway. You wore a hole with in his old sweatshirt where your thumb pushed through the sleeve and then nobody else would take it.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that was the baby from Various Lies. Again, these are really good representatives of, of the style of writing you do. These really sparse, usually they're narrative driven. They tell a whole story, but in a very short, um, you know, tight Um, package. Um, What is your writing process like for them? Do you have like, like, how does, how does it go from spark the idea of it and what kind of sparks do you have? And then how does it turn into a poem like that?
2: So I feel like I usually have to have kind of an image or a line that I want to use and it changes a lot too. Um, But I can start with something and then Um, Sometimes I'll have them get a little bit longer and then I'll go through later and and wait a day and then come back through and try to pull things out and try to identify the lines that I like, um, and then go back and do that. I've ended up with these Word documents recently where it has like the poem at the top and then all the pieces that I pulled out of the poem that I'm not sure if I want to do anything with, Um, kind of at the bottom. Um, And so a lot of it is kind of, it's kind of that way. I love the idea of writing something longer and then going through and pulling stuff out. But I feel like when I do that, I can't really get to it. So I feel like I have to just, and then sometimes I'll be doing something else or running or something and a line will come to me and I'll think, oh, I need to put that in there too. And so sometimes I kind of like try to build them that way, but just, I feel like yeah, and I'm sure you and, and everybody else feels this way too, that it's sometimes like, okay, I wanna say this, but like how do I say it in the right way so that it's it's doing what I want. And so I feel like I do a lot of of moving language around and you know, stopping writing, watching T V, thinking, no, this word needs to go, and then getting my yeah. computer back out and being like, It needs to be changed right now.
0: <laughs> and and the lyrics, are too are really important for poems um, of this length, you know, and there's a way that you know you want it to feel sort of you know both um you know careful but also like natural in a way that has life, so I guess there 's a balance between the, between the two you don 't want it too clean um, you know where it 's all the same length of lines and it it then would feel very sort of quick and monotonous and there 's a way you want to like you know you you push outside of that uh, so how do you you know we we just looked at um the baby it 's just a good example there, there um, i 'll put it back up on the screen for a minute but there 's a you know, there's one word lines and then there's lines as long as you hid the baby books you looked at. Um, and how do you how do you think about line breaks? You know, anyway, is it's on its own line? Uh, but then, you know, so there's some longer and shorter lines. It'd be very easy, for example, to want to break the no one talks about the boy now anyway. Um, and then say, you know, no one talks about the boy now or you know, there's different places you could break it there um, to make it sort of more you know, standard and, and uh, regular. So so how does it that do you go about like, cause I do notice that in these poems you have, um, there's a kind of a, a, more life that the line breaks provide, it seems like. So, so how do you, how do you think about those line breaks?
2: I feel like this is a terrible answer, <laughs> <laughs> but it, basically I just have to, it like it, the poem just does it. Like I have to kind of feel it like, and sometimes I'll look at it later and be like, no, there needs to be a cut there. And it just does and I don't know. I feel like it's not <laughs> rational. <laughs>
0: Well, maybe, I mean, maybe it just comes from a a different place, you know, like the the part of your brain that doesn't think consciously, but like, you know, subconsciously knows and is in tune maybe with that, since it really feels like it's about the pacing and sort of not getting stagnant. Like, that's how it feels like it works. I noticed in short poems, too, you know, the other really great short poem, you know, sort of short, mostly free verse, which is what you do. It's not form in most cases. It's really free to do whatever you want. The other poet like that is Mike White. And I noticed he does the same thing. There's a way that when it's that short, like you have to keep it like varied as one way to keep people, um, I don't know what it is, but, but it really fits well with that form to have a lot of variety um, across. And then you also have, um, tend to have two line stanzas too, um, you know, for a lot of white space to, so it's almost like you're, you're regulating white space and you're also like pushing, having that push against like variety so it doesn't get stagnant. That's how it seems to me.
2: Yeah. And I think there is some of that. Like I've noticed recently that I've had a lot of the two line um, stanzas and then I've had a one line at the end. And then sometimes I'm like, okay, this feels like this is how it should be. But then it's like, I've done this so many times (laughs) I need to do something different. Um, So yeah, that um, that's definitely something too. And it, I think you're right. I think sometimes it does feel like, okay, we've had too many two line stanzas. This needs to break. This word is important. This like, Feeling is important, so it needs to, to be kind of broken up a little bit.
0: Mm-hmm. And I was going to say, if anybody has any questions for Elizabeth, uh, leave them in the chat windows on YouTube and Facebook. And uh, there's already a question from Mark Grinier, which is something I'm, I'm curious about, too. He says, are you thinking of poems as machines for achieving a particular effect? which is a, a thing that I, I wonder about, too, because I know some people sort of write toward that. Um, it's sort of like, how do I get like like the they need to have a sense of like experiment and play. And like, I don't know where I'm going, but some people like write toward something. And it's how do I get there? That's sort of the where the experimental stuff comes in and eat the surprise. And then some people don't even know where they're going at all. And that's the surprise. So, so how does that work for you? Do you? Is there a certain effect that you're looking for when you sit down to write it?
2: That's such a good question. I feel like sometimes I'll start off like if something kind of sticks in my head and I'm like, I want to write about this. Um, then I'll kind of try it a few ways. Um but I feel like when it actually comes out, it needs to just go the way it's gonna go. Um I know Abby was saying this earlier about, you know, like the poem just went this way, and I feel that too, where. Sometimes I, and, you know, sometimes I go back through and have to literally say to myself, okay, what am I saying? You know, let's take out all of these other things that are in here that are kind of not going where I want it to go but I feel like I have to give it space to do that too so I have to maybe write it and then come back to it and then kind of look at it again and think do I need to add more into this or um because I do feel that like when I'm starting writing it starts off as being really unfocused and I have to kind of like feel my way inside it and kind of feel out like what am I saying what am I thinking like Mm -hmm. what's happening here
0: yeah i mean that, that is the fun of writing poems it's just that i don't i didn't know this existed or could exist and then it does and that's just the great feeling of it um let's move on we, we did three from various lies um there were some from lion hunt we had as the next book up tell us about lion hunt i'll, I'll put it on screen here this, this is a new another chapbook um so lion hunt is right here um, so tell us about but what how this book ties together how is it different from various lies
2: so this one's different. Um, I've always really liked animals. I have a lot of feds. Um, I also worked at a zoo as a teenager um, as a volunteer for a lot of years. And so I, I was kind of trying to pull together um, poems that in some way had to do with animals. And not all of them do completely, but that was kind of the theme for it. Um, I'm always really just drawn to stories about animals or just learning about animals. Um, just in general. And so this one just kind of, um, and I think I had seen a picture of some people who had been on a lion hunt. And so one of the poems is, a, is kind of about that, but just this idea of this animal and looking for it and just different relationships that we have with animals was mm-hmm. important for this one. Yeah,
0: well, I, I think that was the first one you want to read, the After the Lion Hunt on, on page 12. Do you, want to, do you want to read that?
2: Yeah, getting to it. After the Lion Hunt. Dust rises like a tarp across your feet, stiff and gray. The sun is white, an iron shirt, a folded invoice. You feel sweat on the inside of your hat brim like a clock. In the airport bar, 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 of course, you think of lions, with their tongues rough as a girl's bare unshaved legs, with their bodies taut and firm, and their hearts so much smaller than you'd hoped.
0: Yeah, that's a great, I love that ending. Um, and of course, the, the metaphor that goes into that as well, after the Lion Hunt, uh, from the book Lion Hunt by Elizabeth mcmunn Totenko. And, um, and and so it's interesting, um, you know, it seems like you're, what would you say that, that poetry is adding to your life? Because it feels to me like it's this, um, like, side thing that brings a lot of joy and fun, you know? And, and is that how you think of it? Do you have... You know, a lot of times, you know, poets are kind of like feel like trapped inside of like ambition, like if, if they don't have a certain number of things published, it's like, you know, they're, they're depressed about that, you know, the rejection letters pile up and all that stuff. Um, is that something that you deal with? Or it, to, to me, from the outside looking in, it seems like you're just like, this is something I do for fun. And it's really enjoyable for me. And I, you know, I have these poems that people like, and I put out the books that people like, and it's just, there's just sort of a, a general positive sort of playful energy to it all. Is that how it feels to you?
2: Yeah, it does I feel like it's vital to me I feel like there were a lot of years when I wasn't writing very much and it always felt like like there's something that I need to be doing like I always think about my son was really little at that time and I would watch um Sesame Street with him in Elmo's World and it's all like scribbled out of crayons and I'd be like look at Elmo's like creative like <laughs> accomplishments Mm -hmm. um and so I feel like I've always kind of looked for it I feel like I'm driven less by necessarily like publication for it and more just like I want to make stuff that's good and that I like and that hopefully other people like but that I feel like okay I made something and I really really like it um and it's something I just like I just have to do it it's like almost compulsive um But, you know, I'll bring my computer with me when we go on vacation and be like, I have to at least try something, even if it's not good. Um, And I just, yeah, it's always kind of like in the back of my mind. And it's just something I feel like, you know, I'm sure all of us have to live with that. It's like, you know, it's just like a drive. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But it's also something where I know my husband, I always talk about, like, we don't want stuff like this. Like he's he really loves playing tennis and he's a tennis coach and he you know does that for the high school but he also doesn't want that to be like his only job because it's something that brings him so much joy and i feel that way about poetry too i feel like i need to do it but if it was like my job then that would take away so much from it too
0: yeah i mean there's just so much freedom and you know the the most joyous time for me writing was when i was not in this job but was in uh I was just a group home editor and, or I mean, (laughs) editor, group home uh, counselor, and I would work a lot of overnight shifts and just write poems and read books while everybody was asleep on the quiet nights, you know, and I just love doing that. And that's what springboard me into doing this eventually. And there's as much as I love this job, it's the best job you could have. It's, there's also this sense of like, it it becomes a little too serious when it's, for me, it had always been a playful, just sent like a source of just fun and joy and expansion of your experience and, and you sort of feel life a little more fully when you notice things you know which is, too, I love the um, haiku community. And, well, we have haiku from you as well. Um, but the, there's just so much joy among the haiku poets. You know, I was at the Haiku North America conference over the summer. And there's just this sort of sense of everybody just encouraging each other and enjoying the fact that they're doing it. And um, it made me a little, um, I don't know. I mean, it just seems like that's perfectly how poetry should be. You know, it's enriching and it's, like, positive And uh, it's just a, a wonderful thing to do. And to, ne- to take it too seriously ends up being a problem, I think.
2: Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And I feel like it also is like, you know, Rattle's whole thing is like poetry without pretension. And it's like...
0: <laughs> oh, that's great, yeah, it is I mean, that's what we've always wanted to be in in you know I try to keep doing that uh, from the very beginning. That's what it was. um There's a great line, so so back to the poems, there was a great uh comment, which I was thinking sort of I hadn't articulated it yet, uh, but Dick Westheimer says, "I love how Elizabeth doesn't belabor her metaphors, lets them sit lightly on the line." and so powerful. And that really is the strength of your poems and this kind of short free style that, that not that many people write in. Uh, there are a few poets who write this condensedly, but when there is a metaphor, it just, it does sit there and it has so much power because it doesn't go on and on about it. You know, it's just like, it's here. I think in the last one, um, we had, um, um, let's see. The sun is white, an iron shirt, a folded invoice. Uh, you feel sweat on the inside of your hat or your hat brim, like a clock. Uh, that, that, like a clock. And, you know, these all we'd all just move past them, and then that last one, of course, um, their hearts so much smaller than you'd hoped. Um, you know, everything just is laid out, and then you don't extend it. You, you just let it be and exist at the strength that it has. Um, is that how? Is that something that you set out to do? Like, how do you go about seeking metaphor, and then? And then, how do you let it go once it uh, once you find a good one and how do you not uh, go on and on about it Because it is something you see a lot in poems where it's like, oh that's a good one, let's keep it going you know. <laughs>
2: I feel like this is something that I've been um, trying to to do a lot more with haiku recently. Um, and I feel like that's something that I really love about haiku, that it's like you want these things to connect, but it's also, it's only going to be three lines. It's going to be short. So it's not going to be, let me explain it to you <laughs> in a ton of detail. It's just, it's there. If you see that connection, awesome. Like if it doesn't work for you, that's also fine, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I feel like yeah, I feel like it just—it's its own thing, and I, you know, I want to put it out there, but I don't, you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, another question too, Kelly um, Breeland asks: Is is writing for you personal, go get your feelings out um, type thing, or is it more thoughts that you have about the world in general? Like, do you feel like you're you're digging inside, you know, your your emotional experience, or is it more intellectual? I guess. I think
2: both. Um, I like to write. You can probably hear my dog walking. Sorry. Um, I like to write about, you know, things that are happening in the world. Um, I like to write about myself, but I also feel like I'm a little bit private too. Um, I like to share things that are like everything's coming from my own experience, but I feel like it takes me a really embarrassingly long amount of time to process things, and so. I can't just, you know, have something happen and then write about it. And if I do that, which, you know, obviously I sometimes do, um, it usually isn't very good. And I usually have to kind of come back to it and be like, okay, like, these are the feelings, I'm feeling, but let me try to, you know, get them to a space where, um, where I feel like it's a little bit more articulate and maybe thinking about it more deeply. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just interesting because I know there are things in my life that it's like, okay, I have still wanted to write about that, but I like haven't even gotten there. it's like 20 yeah. years ago. <laughs>
0: <So>. <laughs> How often do you um, have the experience where you think it's not about anything personal? And then all of a sudden, like you look back two years later and you were like, oh, that was about this. And I didn't even notice at the time because that happens to me a lot, actually.
2: Yeah, that totally happens to me. I was trying to write something just this week and I have a friend who basically, I don't know why he does this, but he lets me just send him drafts of stuff and then, you know, just as like an accountability thing. Mm -hmm. And so as I like sent it to him, I was looking at it and I was like, oh, you know what? This is about something else. Um, that happened like a year ago. So it was just kind of interesting seeing like, okay, there's stuff that's in there that's working itself out, but it's not always um, overtly, you know, let me tell you the story about how, how that happened, at least for me. Yeah. I
0: think it's really, it's really interesting how that works. It's like the, the subconscious is like, you know, trying to find a way to speak and get to you and send you messages. It's like sending little cryptic messages. It's how dreams work too, you know, or we dream in this sort of symbolic language that our sort of consciousness has trouble interpreting, which is a bizarre way of uh, way of going through life, but that's a human plight anyway. And I think poems really come, you know, bring that into coherence, and we get a sense of what things are by writing. Which so it's always fun to, uh, you know, a great part. It really is enriching for life. Um, let, let's do another poem. I think next up was the Animal Kingdom on fifteen.
2: Oh, cool. Let me find that one. All right. And let me, let me do. King- why don't you do oh.
0: the one on uh, page fourteen too? There's a little. Um, haiku sections kind of broken off in this book so explain explain that that's an interesting it's almost like you don't notice them because they're sort of hidden off in the corner I thought it was an interesting way of going about it so why don't you mention this the soccer practice first and then and then do that poem
2: oh yeah so this one was basically it was about a soccer practice that my son was in and I kind of liked doing that I feel like I don't know. It takes me forever to process poems, too, and read them. I have to read them a bunch of times. And so I felt in a lot of ways, like having the haiku is a kind of like a palate cleanser. It's like, let's just take a second and have the white space and then also um, think about, you know, like a listen image, you know, on its own. Yeah,
0: it's um, like the so- ginger, you know, when you're eating uh, sushi. <laughs>
2: Yeah, exactly. Like we're just and it, and it should be complimentary, but you know, like with the complimentary with an e, but not you know, mm-hmm. not something that's um, that's like okay. Now we have to process another really long or for me really long poem. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, so should we? Should I do the one on fourteen? Yeah, do you want to read that? Sure. Yeah, soccer practice. My boy flits between the lenses of your shades.
0: Yeah, that's great. Soccer practice, uh, and then uh, and then let's do Animal Kingdom.
2: Great. Animal Kingdom. Tonight you are the prey, soft pink mouth, warm skin I wear across my own. Tomorrow I am, tensed and twitching, with my legs bent like tall birds. Life is stressful all the time, full of mouths, blood, snot. In the fish tank, the gold feeder fish is swimming in lank circles, his flat eyes like drifting platelets. Excuse me. and his tail a trailing flag just behind him comes the big fish with his mouth a heaving door like the empty space the dog left when he died
0: yeah really touching poem there um that was uh, animal kingdom and then uh, and then soccer practice the one before so you can see how there almost is a, a hybin like nature too to that the, the way you move um I, we talked about it recently but i have this book um um, high been A Writer's Guide um, by uh, Roberta Beery, who's been on the Rattlecast before, and Lou Watts um, talking about the way that, that the tension between the different sections of a high is sort of like a spark for your imagination. And that's how these work, too. They're sort of like you sort of feel like there's a connection, but it's such a distant one that you have to like leap that that, um, gap in a way that it's really an interesting way to go about poetry. Can you talk a little bit about your, your introduction to haiku? How long have you been writing haiku? And it's unusual for people who do haiku, not to like focus on just haiku, but to go back and forth between, you know, these free verse lyrics that you do and, and haiku, um, you know, in this book, but just in general as well. Um, why is it, I mean, how did you find haiku? Was it more recent than, than other poetry? And, and what is your relationship to haiku?
2: So it's definitely more recent. It's within the last couple of years. Um, I felt like I really liked the form. I feel like, you know, you can, there can be a million of them and it's kind of like, oh, I'm not that into it. But then if one really works, it's like, Oh, it's so good. Um, And I just really love that. And, you know, I can still think about um, about haiku that I that I really liked, where it's like the images just it's like, yes, those images shouldn't go together. But that's exactly, you know, how it should be. And I really liked it. Um, So I started kind of working on a lot of haiku um, a few years ago. And I liked it because I felt like it helped me kind of process things more slowly. So instead of, you know, just kind of breaking things down and saying, okay, I want an image for this, or I want, you know, this other thing that I can connect to it. So I really liked that. Um, and then during the pandemic, I basically, and I still have this Word document going, but I started a Word document thinking, oh, I'm just gonna write, you know, during the pandemic that won't last very long um, on this Word document. And now it's like 70 pages long of like haiku that I'm still adding to. Um, and, you know, some of them I like more than others. Um, and so I've just i really enjoyed kind of kind of working with that. I like that it's shorter. Sometimes I feel like if I'm really busy, it's something that I like to kind of try to do where it's like, OK, I just need to get like this image or I just saw this thing and I want to connect something to it. And sometimes I just have lines or I'm like, I feel like this is part of one, but I need to find like something else that really goes with it too um mm-hmm. i just i really love this idea of of contrasting images just kind of vibrating against each other but not um necessarily like tying together but just they're there and they're they're influencing each other mm-hmm.
0: yeah and uh, how do you so you, you think about poetry mostly or, or haiku i should say mostly in the juxtaposition is that what you would say i mean that's you know there is this sort of sense and um, of of how we wrongly we teach haiku, you know about the five seven five and about the season word. Like if you asked the, everybody, they they'd say you know the most people that are don't read haiku would think that that's how that's what a haiku is. And I even get <laughs> I even get message. I think I got one for yours because every time we publish a haiku um you know we get i get replies that say that's not a haiku there's the syllables are not even close to 575 (laughs) i'm like that's not a haiku at all (laughs) um so so what do you say that, that that those two images are the main thing like how do you what do you think of as what's your definition of a haiku i guess i should say like what is it just that that juxtaposition of things that have the resonance or is there more to it for you
2: so I love the resonance. I know that you know there are all these different categories of haiku. There's, I always say it wrong, senryu. Um, I'm always like, where am I putting the consonants? Um, but so I just, I like it in terms of having two images that kind of go together or that are speaking to each other in some way. Um, So that's always how I kind of think about it. I know there is, um, you know, traditionally it was like the season and there's like the cutting word too, where you want to. And I think that's really hard to find the cutting word. And so I don't know if all of mine have that. Um, But I think for me, it's really just um, you know, something small, something where you're connecting something and something where I think I've heard people talk about like their haiku moments where it's like, I'm seeing something and I, you know, I'm going to connect these things. Mm-hmm. And so I think of it more like that. Um, but I'm, I'm not a traditionalist.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's the, you know, that's the way it generally is. And the, the people at modern haiku, I mean, that, that's just the main thing. I think the haiku's, um, uh, there, uh, the I don't know if it's the Haiku Conferences magazine or, but but juxtapose is the name of one of the magazines, and that juxtaposition is really at the heart of it for for modern haiku. It just really is. Um, and, and to me, the, the beauty of haiku, and I'm, I'm wondering if it's the same thing for you, is that you can do it so well in found time. You know, like if I'm, I, I don't like wasting time. I like being really efficient and doing stuff and staying active. And like there's certain things, like if I'm walking the dog and I didn't bring a podcast or something, or if I'm like doing a little you know trip it's it's five minutes to where the kids are and i have five minutes i can write a little haiku in my head on that little tiny drive or in the shower or something um it's a wonderful you know just a thing that's like you can find a poem within any kind of moment you know is that what it's what it's like for you because it's it's one you can keep in your head even your shorter form poems that you do you can't really fit the whole thing in your head it's a little too much but a haiku always is so that's the joy of it for me is that that what you find
2: Yeah, that's definitely true for me too. And I love it, especially, you know, I have a 15 year old son. He's very busy. We have all these pets. Um, we both, you know, my husband, and I both have full-time jobs. So, you know, a lot of times I I love being able to come up with a haiku and feeling like, okay, at least I wrote something. Um, you know, maybe it wasn't good. Maybe it was, but at least I was able to try to make some connection. And I feel like it's reflective too. So looking back at my day or looking back at things I've been thinking about, like, how can I, you know, pull these things together too.
0: And do you, um, do you find, so, for me, um, I think of there's one thing I want to write about and then the, the leap is to try to find something different to get in there. Uh, do, do you do that or do you see the like the, the contrast first? Like, do you have the two images right away or is it like you have one and then you're trying to find the other?
2: I mean, it depends. Sometimes if I'm lucky, I feel like they come together and I'm like, yes. This is what it has to be. Um, And then other times, you know, I'll have I'll write out part of it and then say, okay, well, I'm going to come back to it or I'm going to like just kind of sit and and stare into space, trying to like vibrate against that and see what comes up that I could attach to it. Um, But, yeah, I wish it always came together together.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, uh, Paul Mitchell Bernstein asks, uh, just for, for, in general, um, how does one learn about haiku? I'm one of those people who thought a haiku was 17 syllables for that. I would say, you know, we had a great episode with Michael Dylan Welch, who um, is Captain Haiku on, on Twitter. I mean, and he is, uh, he's the founder of the Haiku North America conference and, um, big in the Haiku foundation. He does the national haiku writing month. So there's all this stuff that he does. And he had a great, we had a great discussion of what haiku is. So go back and look at, it was maybe 30 episodes ago or something in the in the winter this year Um, but how did you discover haiku and what haiku really is Uh, for me it was my grandma who was in a little haiku club and so I you know had and she was when I uh, got this job she was like you have to talk to Nancy my friend Nancy who was really into haiku and you know blah 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 so for for me that's what it was and but but how did you discover that haiku weren't just five seven five you know like I mean it just so it's really sad and embarrassing kind of that like haiku supposedly are sent to on the Mars rover or whatever and they're not actually haiku at all because they, NASA thinks that haiku are five seven five you know seventeen <laughs> syllable poems it makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I think I basically came to it. I found one that was not 575 and I was like, oh, I really like that. What is that? And then I ended up going to the Modern Haiku website and reading their definition and then I subscribed to it. And then I ended up reading a lot of the haiku there and kind of seeing how those work together and just kind of trying to read more um, journals and and just really liking kind of working with that. And I also co-edit a small kind of haiku ish journal too um and so just kind of seeing that seeing what people can do with it and being inspired by that I think that was that was really helpful for me especially seeing one that I really like and being like okay this is a haiku and this mm-hmm. is not you know what I've been associating it with and I love the one you had I think for Poets Respond a while ago and I'm horribly forgetting the poet's name but I think it was it had something to do with the sirens and the lights and I loved it mm-hmm. too
0: I'm not sure which one that is, which is actually nice because we're finally getting enough haiku that, you know, I can not be sure which one you're talking about. <laughs> For the longest time, we didn't. We had a haiku issue, which I was hoping would sort of open the door and encourage more. And it took, it's it's taken more work than just that one issue uh, to get haiku poets to send us stuff because they feel like they're. That's why it's nice to see uh, haiku mixed with you know, more traditional free verse lyrics like you do, because it's, they're, they're all, it's all poetry, you know? I mean, and it's, it's they, they feel like they're separate and people treat it like it's separate, but it's not. Um, let, let's uh, do, I want to ask talk about sentence uh, in a little bit, but let's, let's do another poem, because I want to make sure we do a good amount of poems. The next is Prophecy on page 33 from Lion Hunt. Do you want to read that?
2: Yeah. Okay. All right. Prophecy. Billboard sob, but really it's the knife glint in the garden that you only notice now. And still it's beautiful to see yourself reflected in the light. Sometimes you choose to step around. You take your time.
0: Yeah. that was prophecy. Some of these poems, it, it feels like haiku ish in the way that it feels like I want to read them twice. Like as soon as i finish, I want to go back, which is a sign of a great poem too, but that was prophecy from a uh, lion hunt. And uh, tell me about, about sentence, which um, is a, is a fascinating just um, idea forward journal, um, which is a journal of all poems that are only one sentence. Um so Oh
2: yeah, one <laughs> sentence poems. Yeah. yeah. Um so that was Dale Wisely um had created a lot of different journals and that's one of them and he still um you know is editing that one too. But I was really excited to get to be part of it because I had been published in there a couple of times. I write things that are relatively short, relatively frequently. And so um, it was not super hard for me to find poems that I had written that were just one sentence long. Um, and then he, you know, I had been a guest editor a couple of times. And so then I started working with them, too. And I really like it. I really like As you know, um, condensing things, I like just, okay, every word has to be the word that needs to be there. And I just really enjoy it. And I really enjoy reading submissions for it, too. I think it's really interesting to see what people come up with. Some of them are really long. Some of them are really short. Um, And just seeing, like, how people can work within that. I really like this idea. And I think this is what um, I'm drawn to in part with Haiku also. But I like working within, like, constraints, too. Um, So I like when it's like, okay, this needs to be short. You need to get all of this. That you want to get into it in this really short thing. And I feel I just really like that challenge. I think, yeah, I, I'm the girl who always gets mad when movies are too long. So I'm like, we yeah. have to condense it. Yeah,
0: well, I mean, I love, I love the way that that works, the way that, you know, having those constraints brings out so much creativity. It reminds me, of course, that we, we knocked NASA once. So I'll say, you know, that the difficulty of getting to, to the moon you know, created so many new inventions like the microwave and things like that out of necessity, and it's a way that you you end up forcing yourself to be creative. If you have to do it all in one sentence, you don't have the sort of you know the the I don't know the go to kind of ways of storytelling that you that you sort of fall into. It's almost like it's a trap of like I'm good at this already, so I can keep doing it. Um, so so for for, that, for those one sentence poems, what do you think? Is there anything that stands out as a way that something that makes it work? You know, is there a way that that a one sentence poem needs to have certain characteristics to operate? Or is it just like every time I'm surprised that, it? you know, I don't know. Is there something continu- like cohesive into the way people approach it that, that works? I
2: feel like it just needs to. I feel like it just needs to say something like I feel like it needs. there needs to for me, there needs to be some kind of like depth there. Um, but I also feel like every time I say, OK, I am not into political poems right now or I don't want to read poems about like cats or people's kids, then some somebody will write something that will be like amazing. And I'll be like, oh, just kidding. <laughs> Do you want to read that? Um. So I feel like for me it just there just really has to be like something at its heart. And it doesn't have to be a really big thing, um, but there has to be something there and something that that it's just kind of that it just gets to and I just think it's really interesting how many different ways there are to do that, like there are poems that are one sentence that are actually relatively long, and mm-hmm. then there also are poems that are you know just a couple of words long, and it's like, oh my gosh, like <laughs> this is amazing <laughs> do
0: you think a poem it has to go somewhere? would you say that like it has to have I've always thought of poetry has to have a sense of movement, and so having you know even uh like the one word haiku tundra you know, has a sense of movement between the word itself and the blank white page that's a white tundra. And there's there's a sense of, do you find that's the key is to finding a way to get a sense of movement within just one sentence? So it's like you're at the beginning of the sentence, it's different than, than at the end?
2: Yeah, I feel like it does need to move somewhere. I know sometimes there'll be like, this is a beautiful image. This is wonderful. But like, I need something else like it needs to it doesn't have to do something huge, but it needs to do something or it needs to go somewhere or or say something or like, I don't know, I'm always looking for like, is there some kind of edge in it? Like, is it just everything is wonderful or there's something else that needs to be there too? Um, But yeah, I I think it definitely needs to, to move somewhere and go and do something because otherwise I'm kind of like, I don't know, like, like, I just don't know. (laughs) Um, And I love that you brought up the Tundra poem. I love that. I, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's just, I mean, there's so many ways to play with language. And for if you love books and words and poems and sentences, like just having fun, making something happen, you know, with constraints or with as little words as possible. It's just so fun to do. Um, Let's see. Speaking of, let's see, on Lion Hunt, um, I think we had... Um, on the last ferry yeah so the next poem is a very short one sentence poem which i think i was hoping for it i remember remembered right so i'm happy with myself um on the last <laughs> ferry is a one sentence poem that we can look at
2: and then do you remember the page, oh, it's number... on page 30 yeah oh perfect thank you oh yeah on the last ferry the city is a lace of aching light falling away
0: yeah. And so, and then of course, you know, when you get to fall, you know, the city is a lace of aching light, which is a beautiful image, like you talked about. And then falling away is that movement it's so different, you know, your conception of that image changes when you get to that last, the last two words, and then your eyes dart up and look up at how it relates to the title on the last fairy And that being the last ferry, um, you know, and so you're not coming back, at least today. Um, which makes perfect, you know, it, it's just, a, it's a perfect example of how a poem can still have movement and have all those different sparks within it that, that we talked about hymen-like. Um, so it's a great example of a one sentence poem um, on the last fear. Again, this is another poem from uh, Lion Hunt by Elizabeth McMunn-Tatenko. Um, and that I wanted to do, um, since we talked about some haiku, there's a really interesting book um, that that you published too, another chapbook, The Empty Clock, um, which is pandemic poems, and it's full of haiku um, and and short you know other forms. I'm not sure if they're all haiku, um, but mostly it's haiku. You know, there's a lot of one line monoku. Um, you know, the, it depends on your definition of haiku, maybe. Um, and, and so, so talk about this book, uh, the empty clock, which had an interesting source too. You know, there's so many pandemic books, uh, but this was a little different than the typical pandemic book.
2: Yeah, so I mentioned before my my very long Word document that's full of little kind of poems and little haiku. Um, And so I basically, during the pandemic, was realizing, okay, well, I want to connect with people. I, you know, obviously couldn't for a long time. And so I ended up doing this kind of miniature project for myself where I was basically just writing Haiku and then I was just posting them on Facebook. Um, and I did it basically every day and I saved a bunch of them um, I had talked to, Dale Wisely, who um, who is a co-editor at One Sentence Poems and who runs um, Right Hand Pointing. And he had been reading a lot of them for Facebook friends. And he eventually was like, well, let's pull some of them together. And so I went through and I tried to pull out ones that I liked. Um, And it's kind of, you know, it's addressing the pandemic, but I'm not I feel like really good at just saying, let me like describe the pandemic or something. So I really tried to focus on, you know, okay, we saw this on a walk. Like I heard this, like, you know, we had an online girls night. And so, you know, I want to write about that. So I feel like I was just trying to, I was trying to make connections, um, with people, but I also was trying to, um, to just kind of be able to make something creatively, even though we are also kind of isolated.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's a way that that year of the pandemic, we have the Rattle Chatbook Prize, of course, and we had so many poems that were like the pandemic diary, or chatbooks that were like the pandemic diaries. And and what was great about this reading it just now, maybe with this distance too, is that it's really in the background and it's more like, you know, life still goes on during the pandemic. You know, that was more the thing, like that's just in the background, but we're still human beings living, you know, and we're going out And we're, um, you know, I'm still noticing these little aspects of daily life and and haiku, which fits perfectly for that. Um, Do you want to read maybe like a a page or a section? I don't know what. Do you have a favorite um, little run of haiku or anything you could share?
2: Let me see. I was looking at one. I'll just do, I think, let me see, like which section do I even like? Let me see.
0: We just pick it random too. I mean, they're all good. Yeah.
2: I think I'll just pick page seven. Um, And so I'll just read that and... There are, I think, four of them on on the page. Um, Super moon. We don't go out to see it. Is the first one. Mm-hmm. And then now I see them everywhere. White crowned sparrows. And then hail filling the driveway. Some catharsis. And then lastly, my son's flashlight in the tent. Backyard camping.
0: Yeah, and these are all. I mean, for you know, for Paul Mitchell Bernstein who asked about haiku. Um, You know, modern English language haiku, which is different, of course, than the the traditional Japanese haiku, because we have a whole bunch of different constraints. Watch that episode with with Michael Dillon Welch to uh to hear more about that but the um but but these are great example of of haiku that juxtaposition between two images that sort of have a connection and also don't the the supermoon we don't go out to see it um you know there's that sense of you know we don't go out to do things and see things and and you know it's out there too existing without us you know there's that that sense of it so playing with those kind of ways emotions and, and images push off each other is what haiku is really all about um you know there's also of course people can read the um the Haiku issue, there's still a few copies left. It's almost out of print, um, uh, where we, I talked to Richard Gilbert uh, in a long interview about Haiku too. So there's a lot of, a lot of resources at Rattle alone for Haiku. Rober- Roberta Beer was a guest. Richard Gilbert was like the second guest we ever had, too, actually, for the Rattle cast, like episode number two. So check out that out for a very sort of hermetic intellectual take on Haiku, because he's a fascinating scholar who lives in Japan. Um but anyway, yeah so that's haiku and it's it's a wonderful thing to a way to keep the connection with your friends and family alive, right?
2: yeah yeah it definitely it definitely was and you know it was nice too because then sometimes people would actually comment on them or read them and so that was nice just to um you know just be like i'm out here (laughs) you know Uh, (laughs) let's connect
0: how often do you think a haiku works like do you how many what percentage made it into the book from uh, what you were posting
2: oh golly i think there definitely are good ones and there are not good ones (laughs) I feel like also kind of looking at um, at which ones I was going to include, I was kind of trying to think about like how do they like fit together? you know, how are they in conversation with each other too? And so that was kind of something like there might be one that maybe I didn't like it as much, but then I liked that it seemed like it was in conversation with the other ones. And so then maybe sometimes it would make it in anyway. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, well, let's talk to about um, your forthcoming book, which is just about to be released. And I should, you can send me a link to where we can find it because I didn't see it anywhere else, but not right now. But like after the show, I'll put it in the show notes for people watching later. Um, but this is um, Beach Reading. And so, so tell us about that book. How is that? How is that book different than, um, than what we've been sharing so far? What, what makes that, that a collection?
2: So that one really has this kind of water theme. Um, I know you mentioned earlier, I live in Merced and we had not, my house was fine, but we did have a lot of flooding in Merced this year. We don't get a ton of rain usually and it rained a lot and we live near the creek and the creek came up. Um, and I also was realizing that I tend to think and write a lot about water in general. Um, I grew up in San Francisco, so I was really near the water i you know was on the swim team in high school, and so I just I always am really drawn to water, and I realized I've been writing a lot about that and so I thought, well, maybe I could kind of pull together some of these things that I'm writing about water and make some new things, um, and then you know, kind of try to see if they could be in conversation with each other. I feel too like a lot of them ended up being about water and then also about bodies too. I feel like that's kind of a theme that I have also, um, but I want it to be more kind of like coming together and water and there are just so many directions it can go and it moves and it, you know, <laughs> there are lots of different forms. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: um, well, I think uh, uh, Bluebird's the first one, or Bluebeard. Yeah, Bluebeard's the first one uh, you, you wanted to share. Um, there's three poems from this book that you sent. Let, let's read a, uh, let's read the first one.
2: Yeah. All right. Bluebeard. All my life, I pictured Bluebeard in the sea, monster and fish. When he was really just the things we disappear, the we way we're shocked, swallowing air. Imagine wives slumped in the background, falling silent one by one. Imagine silence in that room, eons long. Is there a sisterhood, or is that wishful thinking? No one saves them. Taking what they had to take, like it's their due. It always was. Sure, she was lucky. All that wrapped around her face was just the lie. Disfigurement. It's not a wound in ways that matter. It's a wall. A shape your hands can't hold in place. I've waited years. I think of him beneath the waves, rising to air, his lungs like wings. He'll burst like sunbeams through the breakers to applause.
0: And that was uh, Bluebeard from um, Elizabeth McMunn, Tango's newest book forthcoming. And where can we find that book, Elizabeth?
2: So that one is through Bottle Cap Press, um, mm-hmm. and you can order it online. Um, I think they, they may be backed up with orders, um, but I, I know that, that they are starting to arrive <laughs> too. Um, so, so that is available online, and you can look it up. Um, and I'll send you a link to it too. Yeah,
0: yeah send so it after the show or as soon as you're over. I'll add it to the show notes for everybody. Um, uh, this was um, – so we have right-hand pointing press. Uh, you have Plan B Press, you have Finishing Line Press, and then this this new one. So there's four chapbooks um, from four different presses. How did you go about you know finding places to publish chapbooks, and and what was the process like? Were there were there contests? Uh, what was the how how did you go about publishing these?
2: So I basically, with Finishing Line Press, I'd heard about it. I know a lot of people have published through them. And so um, I sent that one in um, and it it got accepted. The other ones, I have been kind of drawn to um, looking for kind of like smaller, like really sort of artisanal um, um, presses. And so I I was interested in that just, you know, like combining the art with it and the cover um and then the empty clock the pandemic poems one that one um I you know have done a lot of work with right hand pointing and so um and Dale and I are friends and he had you know seen all of these poems and so we kind of worked together to pull that one um Mm -hmm. together and and did that and then he's always really good about making artwork and making it just like stylistically look good which I love because that's not (laughs) my my area of expertise yeah
0: well that's great um well let's uh, we have swimmers next. Well, there's two left. Let's do let's do swimmers, then we'll we'll take a little second and then we'll do the next one too.
2: Ah, all right. So swimmers is next. Swimmers. I forgot how in a clean lake there are layers, how it's possible to dive. You let the top part make a fold above your head, a hotel blanket. You can sink inside. It's easy. You can only stay a night. I forgot before how everything about this makes me sad. The shallows woven through with fish, the perfect sky, a girl's bad skin lifting up in and out of water, her shocked face. Once I swam here as a child in a black swimsuit, freezing cold. Once I sat with you and said I wanted you and you said nothing.
0: Yeah, another great poem. Um, that was a swimmers. And in another example, there's, there's great line breaks in the, the way that they're not regular. You can see the way that like the perfect sky and that, that break right there, like pulls you through farther into the poem. Um, that freezing cold is a similar type, type motion there where it's, um, you know, freezing could end it, but then it continues. And so it's like this sense of tug, um, that the line breaks provide. Um, it's a really subtle thing, but I think it works really well in all your poems. And it, it really, it really helps, um, you know, propel the poems forward and make them, keep them stimulating. And, and I wanted to ask too about, um, you know, chat books for me, it, it always felt like that was something to have. It's great at a reading, you know, if you go around and you can do readings, there's open mics and things and you have, you have something in your hand to shell, but, but with the, the way that there are not as many readings as, as there are, how do you go about, you know, finding people to buy your chat books? Is there any, anything that you've done that, that can be helpful for that?
2: So I feel like that's the $64,000 question. Um, you know, I'll put things out on Facebook and try to get people to, mm-hmm. to buy them. And I'll try to, you know, go to readings, if you know, when they're happening. Um, and you're totally right, that hasn't been happening as much recently. Or, you know, I'll try to, um, I just sent one out in my, um, I went to my elementary school has like a little magazine that comes out every two months or so. Um, and so I put a link to the new one in there in case anybody wanted to to pick one up so i'll try to do it that way um i do like how the new um the new one with bottle cap press i do like how that has an online component too and so you can pay i think it's like three dollars or four dollars and you just like get a pdf of it so i think that's nice too and i think that's a good kind of alternative if you don't I guess want to commit to spending $10 or something like that.
3: So, so
0: given that your, your poems, like you do it for the sense of joy in creating them, it's very apparent um, that that, that's that's the case. Do you have any ambitions for more? Is it something that you're, you care a lot about, or is it just like, this is fun and I like doing it. I'm going to keep doing it, you know, no matter what, you know, and it just, it's a fun thing for me.
2: It's kind of both. Um, it's definitely a fun thing for me. It's also something I care about really, really deeply. Um, I, you know, not in terms of, you know, okay, like now I'm famous or whatever, but just in Mm -hmm. terms of, I want to create stuff that I really, really like and that I can come back to and say, okay, I'm really glad about this. I got, you know, what I wanted, like from this. Um, so I feel like that's, that's really what what I want from it. I want to continue writing things. I want to keep growing as a writer too. I feel like I was really happy um, that I was able to attend the community of writers during the pandemic um, in um, Olympic Valley. And that was awesome. It was all online, but we got to actually share work and comment on each other's work. And I loved that because I feel like I do know a lot of people who are poets and writers and I love sharing work with them, but I feel like I don't have a huge community of mm-hmm. people who I can do that with. And so... I, yeah, <laughs> I'm always looking for that.
0: Yeah. Well, there's definitely community here. So we're always glad to have you on and, and, and share your work. It's great. Um, let, let's finish up with the last poem, um, Baroque, from the new chapbook.
2: Cool. Baroque. You probably don't think about the dark seaside motel or how the sheets felt not quite luxe but good enough. We were Baroque and I was always making everything a drama. Can't you see it? orange streetlight light coming off the highway, non break cups, the way you wouldn't say my name for anything. Back then I didn't know that we could just be bodies and no more. My spine a line of bending turquoise and your shoulders card front white. The depths of us like angler fish wide and obscene. I take it back. We were all beauty. Can't you see it? Our dumb youth draped over chairbacks carelessly.
0: Yeah, such a great poem, and a great poem to end on too, because carelessly is like the the last thing you'd say about your poems. Every poem is so, every word is so carefully placed, um, not carelessly draped across a chair back. Uh, so it's a, it's just fun talking to you, Elizabeth, and and just I do love your poetry. So I'm so glad to see you're getting it out there, and um, and I, I loved all the chapbooks you sent. I hope people go out and buy a bunch of them. <laughs>
2: Thank you. Me too. <laughs> okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Send me a link to the to the new one, and uh, and I'll post it too. Um, and, and yeah, hopefully people can. But but thanks for being a guest. It was great talking to you, Elizabeth.
2: Thank you so okay. much. Okay. Take care. <laughs> thanks. Bye.
0: Bye. Yeah. That was Elizabeth Mcmuntatenko. You can find uh, the um, um, various lies at Finishing Line Press, which is in the show notes. We'll add uh, the other ones in the show notes as well too. Um, but yeah, the wonderful books by Elizabeth. Um, Now you can take a, we're going to take a quick break and go to our open lines. Um, And we have a special uh, announcement of the prompt poem of the month from the last month of August. We'll do that first, then we'll go to the open lines. So um, I think 250 or so people submitted poems for the prompt poem, which is great to see. Um, You know, because you can, it's wonderful to be able to write poems every week and share them, um, you know, on the uh, Zoom, on the Rattlecast here coming up. But, uh, you know, a lot of people can't make it live and can't share it. So it's great to uh, be able to um, do that uh, through a submission portal and have a chance at having the poem appear at rattle.com and in the daily email. That's what we're going to do. So we have a prompt poem of the month coming up as well. Um, but how if you'd like to join us, I'm going to take the uh, Zoom link. I'm going to paste it into the chat window on YouTube and Facebook. And um, there we go. There's one zoom link deployed oh and the heart is gone remember we complained about the heart being in the way of comments it's gone so now i can actually pin that to the top of the page like i used to um and so that is pinned on youtube on facebook i'm gonna paste it in here only join us if you'd like to share a poem so if you if you want to just listen and enjoy poems um feel free to do that uh but um And just sit right where you are. So if you're watching on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, all those streams are going to keep going. And we're going to have the open lines. Uh, You can just enjoy. You can see the poems um, like we were with Elizabeth's poems. Um, So it's the best place to listen. Uh, But uh, if you want to share anything, jump over on the Zoom. We have about an hour we'd like to spend. And we'll get to as many poets as we can, as we always do. um, And it'll be a lot of fun. Um, I should say, too, before you join the Zoom or shortly after, email your poem to open mic that's open mic at rattle.com uh that's open mic open mic at rattle.com and that way i can share the poems on the screen so email it there i'll have that email address open and uh and we'll share poems and i'll be right back with more poetry in just a moment so uh be right back we're back thanks for your patience uh, Katie Dozier, a prompt poem editor is here in the room and uh, we have to figure out how to do this with like probably multiple microphones in the future but right now we only have the one to share but it is a uh, Yeti Bluetooth which has like different settings which I'm just trying to figure with fiddle with um, and so so Katie was the prompt poem series editor um, you know we are too close in relationship to um <laughs> To um, have her have the prompt poems be picked. So we thought she could be the editor. And that'd be fun. Katie, if you've been watching the Rattlecast for a long time, um, Katie has been uh, participating for for a long time, sharing poems every week. And now she gets to be the editor. So Katie, what was it uh, like reading submissions or, you know, over 200 submitted? Uh, Was it a lot of fun?
4: It was way more fun than I even imagined, which is saying something, to be fair, because I loved reading the poems. There were so many amazing ones, and it was really a fun process.
0: Yeah, and uh, so so what? Uh, which prompt, do you have a sense of which one most people submitted poems for?
4: You know, I was surprised because I think the most submissions we received were for the Villanelle, the cryptid with the Villanelle, which I thought was the hardest prompt. But people were game, and there were some really amazing ones, and I learned about some weird animals in the process, so mm-hmm. thank you for that. <laughs> yeah,
0: that was an interesting one. I enjoyed writing that one, too. Um, and of course, you can't pick me either. I couldn't submit, unfortunately.
5: No.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but um, but so uh, so, whose poem did you pick this week, this month?
4: I picked an amazing. Um Sinru sequence from none other than our own Sharon Ferrante which I love the Sinru sequence I love every single haiku that is in here and it's just wonderful and I'm really excited that you're going to publish it tomorrow
0: yeah yeah I, I loved it too uh you know you had me read the the top couple ones. I did. In <laughs> and right from the start I love this one by Sharon and every time I read it I liked it even more uh, mm-hmm. Sharon shared it already uh, a couple episodes ago but uh Sharon's right here hey Sharon Hey guys, you
6: know I'm nervous. I'm so grateful to both of you. Thank you so much for choosing this, Sanru. Yeah, I, I'm, 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 I'm honored and grateful.
0: Yeah, yeah, and well, very nervous. Well, it's all right. I don't know why you'd be nervous because you're you already read these poems literally on the show. So
6: <laughs> I know, but I'm reading the email and I'm like, now this some this is. Not
0: well, well, these are really great, and I'm glad. I'm really glad you sent them in. And the prompt, once again, do you want to remind everybody what the prompt was, Katie?
4: The prompt was a poem in which something is cooked.
0: Mm-hmm. And so, so how did this uh, this series come to be, Sharon? It's a series of six senru, which is uh, they came up in uh, talked to Elizabeth too, the difference between senru and uh, haiku. So how did it, how did it come to be? I have no idea. <laughs>
6: um, I just, I just. Uh... I just got my thoughts going and 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 thought where I could get it together. Yeah, it was cool. the it the the prompt was really nice. So I said I could have a lot of fun with this. No, most times when I write, I just don't know how I do it. Especially, how, I'm like, yes, that's it. That's a good idea. Okay. And I love Sanru very much. I write a lot of them.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Yeah. well, it worked out great. And so this is going to be the the featured poem tomorrow at rattle.com. Do you want to go ahead and read it?
6: Absolutely. Six, 10 from the kitchen. In the kitchen. I don't know how to act. Meeting my flame. Kissing you. Too much cilantro. In the guacamole. Bad habits. Smoking Catfish waiting for biscuits to bake flaky friends dandelion i add to the salad a wish fondue dipping the moon
7: lower
0: yeah it's a great poem we decided to call it uh um six and rue from the kitchen and there's a whole progression in that too um, that's just wonderful. And, and I, I knew I liked it when you read it the first time with the, the kissing you too much cilantro in the guacamole. That was a great one. I knew it was going to be a great sequence when we got to that one. And then the the rest of them uh, really paid off too.
6: Yeah, I did switch them around.
0: Mm-hmm.
6: Right. But when I wrote them, I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll put this at that. But the, but the, my ideas, I don't know. It's just like, boom, that's it. So, okay, I'm we're cooking, and that and it just came out.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's wonderful. I'm glad I get to share with a, with a wider audience. Um, you know, I wish uh, as many people watch the Rattlecast every week as we will get the poem tomorrow. But it's going to be uh, a lot of people getting to appreciate uh, this wonderful Senru sequence you wrote. Thanks for for sending it, Sharon. Katie, Tim, thank
6: you so much.
0: Yeah, well, definitely our pleasure.
6: And Elizabeth was great. Oh. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, she definitely was. Um, all thank right. You, yeah, well, thanks. Yeah, thanks, uh, Sharon. It's just, it's just wonderful. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you. Okay, so that was uh, Sharon Ferrante with Tomorrow's Poem at Rattle.com. Um, uh, since you're here, sitting here, Katie, do you want to do... <laughs> you are. Do you want to do your um, uh, your poem for sure. next week? Okay. I'm... So the prompt for this week... Was to um, write a oh you have it right there I, I have, have to, it on I my phone <laughs>
4: I brought it in came prepared
0: <laughs> it was yeah. to write a sonnet with a number on it well I have to pull it up anyway so that people can read it
4: okay that's fair
0: yeah so um so it's it, so the prompt was to write a sonnet with a number in it mm-hmm. not on it which mm-hmm. wouldn't really make sense but. Um, <laughs> So uh, so that was the prompt and uh, that was in you know after uh, Pedro point um, episode mm-hmm. and uh, and what did you do what did you, you go for?
4: Well I came up with a poem that I only titled last night when we were at a concert and you said, hey, you should title your poem that so that's, true. that's why the title's a little bit weird this week. Hope you guys like it So this is I would have gotten another beer but the line was too long <laughs> Sometimes all I have to write about is another poem. But when I'm hungry, I can't help but fish. To load my lineup with worm guts, my daybreak eyes as cloudy as a carp's. Once I caught a whole feast of seven fishes. Some days, so many sonnets, little of my lore. I feel guilty for discaling all these gasping words. I'm really butchering this poem. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. like, i think it's weird if you're nervous, not on your own. I'm camera. nervous. I'm
4: not on my own camera. It's <laughs> making me nervous. I'm sorry. Okay, I'll continue. I feel guilty for descaling all these gasping words. But other days, I float alone, zone in my canoe, between two mountain peaks, a pew. And when I cast my line into the lake, I'm the only one who hears the plunk. In such silence, even the sunset, water paints a sort of sound. Tangerine reverberates. Every color, another wave from the clouds. So on the many days with zero rainbow trout... I stood in the boat with soggy knees, laughed at by the wind, but still hooked on all that counts.
0: Yeah, great poem. I would have gotten another beer, but the line was too long. Which is, uh, it, it is true. <laughs> we were at the Counting Crows concert, and um, and she would have gotten another beer.
4: I would have. But the line, the line was, was too, long. too long. But the good news is, nobody on the open lines will be nervous after how much I
8: butchered that poem. <laughs> That's alright. <laughs>
0: So, um, <laughs> uh, but for me, so this was uh, the poem that I did, and I, I we got back late, and um, <laughs> the traffic was rough uh, with the Labor Day and all that stuff, and so I uh, pulled up an old poem that was sort of you know floundering around in my in my uh, you know f- poem folder. I don't think I've shared this anywhere. Um, I could have, I don't think so. I revised it a little bit, um, and uh, it's a sonnet with a number in it, and so here you go. I think this was. Uh, I think it, it was a while ago. Um, it was about um, you know some medical. It was like a poet respond type poem. I think at the time um, there was the pre existing condition part of Obamacare was being was under threat or something like that. So anyway, this is pre existing conditions. Mm-hmm. So here we go. Uh, there, pre existing conditions. She checked the box for other and she tried explaining how the protoplanetary disk was like a node on a string inside of space itself, a fretboard played by barely randomness. She only meant the math of orbital stability, of course, and she described accretion as a bath of sardust, bombardment as Morse code on the moon's beleaguered face, the rocks outgassing oxides, the boiling peptides caught in a lipid chain's embrace— and on and on, like acid strands uncoiling figure eights in ancient ocean spume. But the insurance form was short, no room. <laughs> so, that is uh, pre existing conditions. Um, what, I, what I think of when I see the word pre existing conditions, anyway. That is, uh, that is my prompt poem for the week uh, a re, uh, refurbished poem, a refurbished sonnet. So, um, there's that. Let's see what everybody else has. And, um, and uh, who do you want to go to first? And do you wanna do you wanna stay here, Katie, or do you wanna? I want
4: to stay here as long as people know I can't hear them, which is like oh, that's <laughs> right. ...or awkward because I can't hear them. That's
0: right, because of our situation. <laughs> yeah, maybe you should go back maybe and watch I should the go... stream. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay, but, uh, but it's great to have you, Katie. Yeah, and we will you. get for next time you're here, we'll get two mic two headphones.
4: Okay, I'll go back. <laughs> I'll go back to YouTube. My family on YouTube. <laughs> okay,
0: bye. Thanks, bye. Katie. Yeah. So it's Katie Dozier, uh, the prompt poems editor. We'll be sharing uh, what next week's prompt poem is. Um, at the end of the show or prompt is at the end of the show so let's go first to well zachary honeycutt is right here um zachary hey how you doing
9: can you hear me tim yeah i
0: hear you hey how you doing
9: hey man sorry i'm a little i'm a little uh slow tonight i was working outside all day in the florida heat with dad and i yeah, oh, I'm doing enough. good.
0: Yeah, that, that's good that you're doing good. It's tough uh, that <laughs> that heat. Must be brutal. I can imagine. I was
9: laboring. I was laboring on Labor Day, Tim.
0: <laughs> well, I guess uh, <laughs> uh that's a good thing to do. That's how a lot of us spend it. I, I guess I'm technically laboring too doing the cast, although it's definitely not a labor.
9: <laughs> yeah, it doesn't um, feel like work.
0: Definitely not and it's not even hot anymore. in the uh in the uh room here that's the mountains are getting cooler for the winter for the fall so uh what do you have uh, that you'd like to share
9: well you know what i've got tim you know that the sound of people writing sonnets always attracts me like a like a moth to the flame or something like that <laughs>
0: it definitely does uh, i would be very disappointed if you didn't have a sonnet uh, that, that yeah that normal, I I traditional sonnet
9: for us today I, I won't have a sonnet on sonnet night what would yeah that would <laughs> the world would end tim so Uh, Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, so this is my sonnet with a number in it. I chose the number one, and uh, it's called The Morning Fog, Sonnet 23. Okay. The early morning fog on autumn days transports the mind to a mystical place as sunlight seeps through trees like heaven's rays, and the glory of God and man embrace. When familiar places come off unknown, With the fairy fog blanketing the grass, And the wet road ahead dissolves unshown Into a hidden snowy castle pass, With every secret fortress in my mind Secluded deeper than souls under white vapor blankets To go up from mankind, He appears bright as day, the thief at night that one morning I thought with awe and fear swift as fog fades will disappear.
0: Yeah, that's great as always. That's the use of that form and the the rhythm and the rhyme, mm-hmm. the meter. Well done, Zachary. What would you, uh, how do you go about writing a sonnet? Since you're someone who writes sonnets very frequently, what is the, uh, the, 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 the impetus? Like, how do you, how do you get in and know what sort of sonnet it's going to be and, and how you could crank them at the right, like throw sort of
9: the right pace and the right rate. I, oh, that's so, that's a difficult question. It's, it's all different. I have what's called an overactive mind. So like I'm, I get ideas all the times as far as like the material of the poem. Like I said, the first sonnet that I ever got published, which mm-hmm. I believe was like a Spenserian sonnet. I wrote that at three o'clock in the morning because I couldn't sleep and I just had a very vague idea about being abducted by ufos but um just i i started really getting into english sonnets when i was in high school and then i started dabbling in the italian and all the different types and i don't know i, I don't know i i like to kind of like mix it up like if i write an italian sonnet i'll write an english sonnet if i write an english sonnet i'll write a Spenserian. but you know what you're gonna do not all the time. No, I, I sometimes I have like, a, like, a sometimes I feel like the best, the best way to do it is not to put that pressure on yourself. I think it's almost like developing a relationship with anything. You know, if you get to know someone better, uh, you get used to them and you get very comfortable. And I feel like that's the way the writing method is for me. Like I've been writing since I was six years old when I used to dictate stories to my grandma and just you know, doing it over again sometimes not having a pre-planned uh, thought, you know, just like a very vague idea. I'll just I'll just kind of go into it and write and see what happens. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that's really. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, very cool. Well, thanks as always. It was a perfect uh, prompt for you, Zachary. It's good to see you as always.
9: Yeah. It's great to see you guys. I'll see you guys next week. And uh, next week, I got to play catch up because I promised all of you guys that I was going to read that Lassa that I had started writing on the Fox Mm -hmm. feed, but I never did. And Emily called me out on it. So Emily, if you're watching next week, I'll be reading that Glossa. Uh, so yeah, stay tuned. That's just for you.
0: Excellent. Looking forward to it, Zachary. It was a
9: pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> you guys later. Take care. Bye-bye.
0: Zachary Honeycutt with uh, um, the sonnet. I already <laughs> pulled up. I can't remember the name, but it was a great, great sonnet by Zachary Honeycutt. Let's go to uh, Nivy DeKarthik next before she's got to run to work. Hey, Nivy, how you doing?
10: Hey Tim, I'm doing the thank
0: you. How about you? I'm doing great. It's a really fun day. I, I love the episode and uh, I love the, the prompt. Looking forward to uh, seeing what you've got for I'm us. So, you do? so what do you have for I us? I have a prompt for him. Yeah.
10: I have a prompt for him, but sadly I couldn't control myself to just one
0: number. <laughs> well, I know you have a science <coughs> event, so I wouldn't expect anything less. Uh, you know, once you get it, the numbers going, they just don't stop. <laughs> that they don't. Okay, well, I've got it up for everybody. Um, uh, Is there anything you want to say about it before you read it?
10: um, I think it sort of speaks for itself.
0: Okay, well, let's hear it then. So it's called
10: I'm Still Waiting. I'm Still Waiting. Numbers are kind and willing to tally anything you set your mind to. Five crows on a tree, six cats in a back alley, one door to a room, and three letters in you. There are more thoughts in my head than stars in the sky. Twenty-six letters whirl through my mind, trying to frame those words needed to get by, and hold together those bonds that bind. Six inches is how far you sit from me, close enough to touch, but too far away to hold. Yet, you might well be in the Andromeda galaxy, watching the space-time continuum between us unfold. This time, Prando, your numbers fall one word short of the two. The two needed to get me out of the blue.
0: Oh, that's a great ending. I love that. Yeah, wonderful. I'm Still Waiting by Nivety DeKarthik. Love the rhyme, too. Thanks for sharing that, Nitty. Thank you,
10: Tim. Have a lovely evening. Yeah, have a great day. Thank
0: you. Yeah, st- I'm Still Waiting by Nivety De Uh Next, let's go to um, Deb T. Hi, Tim. Hey, Deb. How are you tonight?
11: I'm doing all right. I love the show, the interview. I liked the... Uh, Poets Respond, I loved Elizabeth's um poem, so really enjoying it. And then I like in you know, all these sonnets. I don't I think I wrote um a prompt poem, but I it's fourteen lines, but no meter, no rhyme. Well that would be an <laughs> so, American
0: sonnet because as we've okay, said before, her... the American version of everything is the lazy version. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yes. if it's no it's meter or rhyme of fourteen lines, that's the only requirement. Yeah. You can just call it an American sonnet. So <laughs> Okay.
11: So, um actually it does have rhyme. It's just
0: internal. Uh, well, everything has rhyme. I mean, we should be clear about that's that. Right. No end rhyme, that's right. which makes a difference. Right. There
11: okay. was a word but I can't think of it, but anyway, um so I appreciate the prompt and I think this is my first sonnet, although an American one. <laughs> um binary stars. Oh, and I used one in, the numbers 1 and 2. So, it's a binary. Oh, that's perfect. Mhm. Binary stars. The whole is something besides the parts, Aristotle. Our two families, our two split levels, our little girl customs, putting on plays, frying potatoes crisp in a pan. My dad can't dance like my mom. Your dad can. My mom removes one earring for comfort, murmurs into the phone. We play upstairs in my room your dad shows up below. You walk in on a secret, a playdate of their own. Their mouths touch. You flee unseen, solve for X, shut your mouth, drop me. Two years long division till both sets of parents divorce. The lovers wed, fresh mud for us. Once we were sandcastle pals, then teenage sisters too. Twin beds in parallel. We talk all night, new phase of moon. We orbit each other, share one room.
0: Oh, that's great. Yeah, the the end the rhyme there in the last couplet, perfect for a binary star. And great extended <laughs> metaphor throughout the poem. Yeah, thanks for sharing that, Deb.
11: You're welcome. I had a uh, a best friend who became my stepsister. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, wonderful. Yeah, that's a great that can happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, thanks for sharing it. A wonderful, uh, wonderful American sonnet commemorating that. All right. Thank okay, you. Bye. That was Deb Tenenbaum with, uh, binary stars. Let's go to Mary Lisa, uh, Dominicius next.
12: Hi everybody. Hey, how you doing? Can you hear me? Yeah. we hear you. Great. I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm really happy to be, um, live tonight with you guys. Yeah, i has been keeping up. I'm always a few days behind, but I have been keeping up with both the, uh, the Twitter feed, the um, the Katie Dozier uh, podcast, mm-hmm. which is really fun on Thursdays.
0: Yeah, it definitely is. And then on
12: Fridays, the critique of the week, and then on Mondays, the reading.
0: Yeah, well, we're gonna talk. I should have mentioned uh, while we were uh, while she was here, but this week we're doing uh, prompt poems. So we're gonna be talking about the process of uh, narrowing them down, what we picked, and then uh, also just prompt poems in general and how fun it is to you know that's the current issue of Rattle 2 – uh, you know, prompt poems were the theme. Uh, Brian O'Sullivan's got a poem in there who's on the Zoom right now. And uh, it, it's just, I, I love prompt poems. It's a way to just access something you're didn't, you didn't—you don't know where you're going. It's like, it's a way to re-learn how to have fun with poems. We're going to talk about that. That's why I love prompts and include them in every Rattlecast. Um, and you've got a prompt poem for us, I see. It looks like a sonnet. Um, I'm assuming there's going to be a number in there somewhere. <laughs> I think there are two, actually. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh,
12: Okay, so here we go. Art. So I stuffed my dead pet and read carrion poems into a folder with my best sex poems, my welcome to the next millennium poem, my suicide, PMS, and testosterone poems. Those are my do you believe in ghosts, in Satan, or God, or people, or love poems, as well as my grieve, leave when you must, but sing as you are capable poems. I stood at the podium with Y, five litanies, and the rants of 10,000 voices in my voice, witnesses vying to testify, attempting to empty silence with the sound of song. We sing as we scrape the scum of love from the heart. It's how art is won.
0: Oh, that's a so beautiful. I love that sonnet. That was art. And uh, I love the the repetition of poems at the beginning and that the movement there. Excellent work. Thanks for sharing that, Mary-Lisa.
12: Thanks. thank you for listening yeah Thanks.
0: always a pleasure glad you could join us live thank you yeah uh, there was uh mary lisa D. Dominicius with an uh, art uh wonderful high si- uh, sonnet and let's see we got joe nolan next hi tim how's it going hey joe it's great to see you it's been a while since we have it's yeah, been, it's uh, been a while. i'd say like six months maybe or something what you been up to oh. Same old, same old. Still pu- writing, still publishing. Well, excellent. So what do you have to share? Fly fishing. Excellent. Okay, let me, uh, give me one second. Explain what this is about while I put it in a, it's a little too small to uh, share the screen like we were. Okay. So, so, uh, so what's this about?
3: It's not really about anything. It's sort of an images type of poem. Interesting. Okay. It, the image of fly fishing, I guess you would say.
0: Excellent. Well, let's hear it. Go ahead.
3: Okay, Fly fishing. We fancy ourselves able to fish and fly at the same time. Fly fishing, they call it, where we stand in waders up to our waist amid the flowing current, whipping cloud lines over water, conjuring fish to rise. Uh, excellent um it's not something i
0: do i assume maybe you've been gone out fishing joe is that right (laughs) (laughs) not recently but (laughs) i used to Uh well it sounds like fun hope you get out again soon Uh, that's a great great poem the sounds are always wonderful love how you read joe thanks tim yep thanks take care bye joe nolan with fly fishing uh nate jacob is here next howdy howdy hey nate yeah good to see you good to be seen great show tonight Thank you. And so what you got for us?
13: I uh, went ahead and against my better judgment, went with the prompt poem. Ah, okay. <laughs> I even tried to uh, do with a strict meter. Strict meter. Nice. Pretty strict rhyme. Nice. Okay. Uh, little, Is this the uh, first
0: time see. you've written a sonnet in meter and
13: rhyme? Uh, no. In fact, uh, the first time I ever sent a poem to you for the critique of the week ah, mm-hmm. was this fluttery... Old language.
0: Oh, interesting. Oh, was, uh-huh.
13: I thought it was great. You uh, <laughs> knew to writing poetry. Now I'm. Now you'll see, I'm no better though. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's not true at all. Okay, let's let's hear this poem now.
13: <laughs> all right. It's called uh, "So Much to Say, So Little Time." Seems poetry has always served me well, since I first learned that words were more than words. Since I discovered swoon and kiss and tell. It started back when spiders, whey, and curds gave way to weak attempts at metered rhyme in hopes the girl would go to prom. And then in college, Prufrock, Frost, Neruda, Stein convinced me that I needed, that I'd need to look again. I didn't. Life led on to life without me sensing music and the way some lines could speak precisely to the thing about how poems could bring light in trying times. Then forty seven years of reading passed. I took to writing poetry at last. And that has made all the difference.
0: <laughs> that is great. I love that uh use of the last line. And this the poem, the meter and rhyme sound great. They really hey, do.
13: I I tried. Yeah. It was uh well, excellent took work. A full week and I'm not <laughs> kidding. I was I was writing up until the show started. Yeah.
0: Well I'm so glad. it, it was worth the effort. Thanks, Nate. Yeah. Thank you. Yep. Bye. Uh, Nate Jacob with uh So Much to Say and that's a really clever way to end the poem too. I like that. Um let's go to Mark Grinier next. Hi Tim. Hey Mark. The
14: um uh, this this is a, a uh prompt poem and it has one number in it, and that number by the way is one. <laughs> Uh, it's called Rod- Roda
0: Interesting. I'm trying to pull it up. Let me see. Uh, let me look over. Did you uh, submit it already? I sent
14: it to, to the to the to the uh, submission window.
0: Okay, perfect. Let me just submit pull it up. One. I didn't have that up yet. There we go. One of the first ones in for this month. Okay. Uh, and what, so, what is this word? I don't, I've never heard of Roda
14: uh, It's a hangover from the last week where we did the. Word from the dictionary. Ah, okay. It means it means a boast
0: of uh-huh. Very interesting. Okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> I never i a learned word I get to learn today. Thank you.
14: <laughs> <laughs> a squirrel attacked my porch, my plastic bin, the one I've kept for years to hold bird seed away from hungry beasts who still went in, to steal my stash and thereby ease their greed with seed indulge that vice impelling one to place their needs above the norms of law to force desired outcomes then be done no matter how that act may scamp the craw of every bird that flies to fill its beak with seeds my joy in songs grown fat excuse me my joy and songs grown fat on backyard needs which flock to fill my days again with Ease this poem with empathy, not hard for, for this modern man to opine about how to about today which rodents eating plastic steal away. Well, that one didn't work well at all. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I thought it did. I, I mean, the the I love that ending. The 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 today steal away uh, rhyme there with the rodents eating plastic. You know, it's, uh, it's definitely something this time. We, oh, we got a bunny outside. Hi, bunny. Anyway, there <laughs> really. I wish I could get the camera. Are staring at me? Anyway, um, bunnies aren't rodents, though, I don't think, right? Yes, are they, they are. Are they a rodent? They're a rodent. Interesting. Yeah, All rodent. right. Well, when called. And, and
14: that's how that's how this rodent came about, too. I was looking out my window and watching the squirrel eat my bird seed box. <laughs>
0: well, Well, I liked it. I think it was a great poem. A rodent, Roda Montade. Is that how you say that? Rodamontate. Rotomantad. Well, I I'm, I'm love uh, getting to learn a new word, and I do. I always love everything in, in meter and rhyme. So that was great. Thanks for sharing it, Mark. Okay, thank you. Yep, take care. And Mark Grinier with Rodent uh, Rotomontad. Let's see. Tom Barlow is next.
3: Hi, Tim. Hey, Tom. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. Um, so I'm what you got? That's, that's something without meter or rhythm. Okay, well, that would be <laughs> after last, then. <laughs> Yeah, after last, uh, last Thursday's uh, show about meter, I... Felt like I really have failed to live up to that, but uh, that's okay. That is a, it is a Labor Day poem. Well, that's perfect. And a prom, mm-hmm. and a prompt poem. The title is 1978. He lights his camel off the factory furnace and drifts down the oil slick aisle between racks of steel. The work that his father's deliverance, the work that was his father's deliverance, is a bag of rocks to him this is not no longer his century, not the one stamped out of fam, family farms, assembly lines, sweatshops, coal mines. Still, he takes his mop and his bucket up and down the rows of grinding machines, dutifully swabbing the floor between the operators like he was a deck soldier on the USS Missouri. In truth, he is a man already lost to the future, there with Obi-Wan and Hal 9000, and that promise of bold adventure. Common men around him may have eight hours to kill today. He has a lifetime. Hmm.
0: That's great. A great example of, uh, you know, you don't need meter and rhyme to write a great poem. Uh, that was wonderful. 1978, Tom. Thanks for sharing it. Thank you. Yeah, 1978. Once again, my Tom Barlow. Um, Bishwajit Mishra is next in line. Hi, Tim. Hey, Bishwajit. Good, good to see evening. you. Yeah. yeah. I'm good. How are you? I'm great. So what, what what do you have for us?
15: Yeah, I have a prompt poem but I'm not going to read it. This is the first time I <laughs> i wrote a sonnet, and I am very bad. At I wish I would mean, Can I read my uh poet's poem sure. instead? And another reason for that is because this poem is about that poet who passed away and his funeral rites are going on probably. Mm-hmm. So I said maybe it's timely to.
0: Yeah, okay. Read. Yeah, that sounds great. Let me pull it up. Uh, what's the title of it? After Hunger. Okay, I have it whenever you're ready. So what do you want to explain about this before we... Uh... Yeah,
15: I, I'll read the note part because I I tend to talk a lot. So I read the <laughs> note part a lot of people. Okay. <laughs> Uh, but before that uh, i couldn't find the uh, on submission tab i couldn't find a place for prompt poem so i just emailed it to you on open mic i'll go and check tomorrow again oh
0: yeah At for the minute. for the prompt poem so you can email it uh, or you know email it or submit it um when it's uh to, to read on here but yeah so so since we closed it up there's always I left a little yeah, gap i thought uh, yeah and yeah, so it's open okay. again. i'll now. check tomorrow yeah, yeah I, it's open I, again I for september so. now i always do that because otherwise it's confusing Is <laughs> there's like yeah, no yeah, way yeah, to it show it a, yeah
15: exactly yeah slide <laughs> over and yeah okay so this is i'll just read the note uh it explains about a poet called Giant mahapatra okay at the passing of jayant mahapatra the indian poet a physicist and a late starter at writing poetry, but eventually carving out a niche for him internationally, leading him to win the highest Indian Literary Sahitya Academy Award for the first time for an English language poet in India. He was a professor in our college, although he didn't teach me. I had heard about his eminence as a poet. Professor Mahapathar returned his civilian award, Padma Shri in protest against the rising cases of communal intolerance. He kept editing a poetry magazine called Chandra Bhaga, which had become sporadic until his death at the age of 95 in his hometown of Guttek on August 27, 2023. One of his most widely known points was hunger. Hmm. So, uh, this is called after hunger. Okay. Swirling smoke fills the house The brightness, the potency of the objects in the picture don't matter. The poplar fluffs float, spread, and stick. The motivation, like motivational statistics at holy places. And you wanted your antihistamine, you went under the covers with a sore throat and burning eyes and your hunger to come back with your dreams but it was a book that could be read both ways, back to the front too. And taken into the statistics as such, your efforts to turn the book for the guys on the other side of the table was no good. Because they had the book glued to the top and the table bolted. There was no other view. What good is the trophy you might have got that you thought of giving back because the giver's family had gone through a succession? because that return also became the part of statistics in the book that was being read the other way around, back to the front. You know, the mirror turns left to right, and if you didn't know, you would have an accident. The smoke keeps getting denser like desolation, shrouds everything, and they pronounce you dead. Yes, pronounced, because when you're dead, you need to have I guess.
0: Hmm. A really interesting poem. And and uh, we share a picture of um Jayanta Mahapatra um on the screen a little bit of when that article came up. Um great yeah, touching uh, touching poem in memory of a great poet.
15: Yeah, at a very late age he returned He's, I was, he he joined other poets too, writers mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he returned, like, everywhere, any part of the world, you see people do that. Yeah, <laughs>
0: so yeah. well, that's great. That. I love, you know, yeah. something, another uh, poet to learn about. So that's wonderful, a physicist, too, which is fun.
15: Oh, funny. he was, actually, he was mostly, he was rejected everywhere in India. Oh, really? Because he, he was different. He started writing in mid-40s or mm-hmm. something. Oh, wow. And he was from a smaller town. Mm-hmm. So he sent those paper, you know, by mail, snail mail, and they rejected him. There are not many magazines. Mm-hmm. Only after he got Accepted in mostly in American journals mm-hmm. like uh, Kenyan Review, New Yorker, Hudson Review, and Poetry Foundation magazines oh, wow. everywhere. Then he got recognized in India, so that's why he started that magazine. He said, I mean, it was very expensive and time-consuming to mail those things,
5: mm-hmm.
15: and he he was the first one to get that Sahitya Academy as an English language poet in India. Uh-huh. That's how people noticed it.
0: Wow, that's that's and really and hunger was mm-hmm. one of the
15: poems. If you get a chance, read that poem. It's a very—I mean, most of these poems were about uh, the lifestyles the local people mm-hmm. we lived with, and uh, hunger is a very strong. I mean, you can say it's a social political poem.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. it's one page poem. <laughs> yeah, well, well, definitely, we'll take a look at it. Thanks <laughs> so much for sharing that, Bishwajit. It's fascinating. Thank you. Yeah. Have a good night. Yeah, you too. Thank you. Too. Yeah, it was Bishwajit Mishra. If we have time, maybe I'll, I'll pull up that poem and and read it um but we got a lot of people to get through uh dick yeah, westheimer. yeah.
15: i can mail that to you if that helps you if you have time at the end you can read it it's really a beautiful point
0: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. email it to me and i'll i'll read it if there's time at the end of the show for sure yeah
15: at least you can read yourself <laughs> well
0: i definitely will that either way but thank yeah thanks yeah, it. yeah no problem okay. thank you can... yeah thanks yeah so next up is uh dick westheimer hey tim hey dick yeah how are you tonight
16: I am doing well another another really fine interview I, I I just was so inspired by that brevity when I grow up I want to write like that
0: <laughs> Yeah I uh, I've always admired Elizabeth's work I knew nothing about her which is always a fun thing like these poets sort of sometimes appear and um you know you know I just read her poems over and over again they're always great and so it's really cool to get a sense of who she is as a person too
16: yeah, and I loved uh, Abby's poem. I, I had a, I had a super moon. Ne- a um, uh, why do we name things super moon poem. Also, I mm-hmm. sent to you. So it was nice to see her take on that, which was just lovely.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely for sure. Uh, so, what yeah. do you want to share tonight, Dick?
16: Uh, so I sent you a um, prompt poem, believe mm-hmm. it or not. I oh. was going to read the super moon poem after reading Abby's, but I was out on a run today and you know you can't help it when the when the poetry stick hits you you got a <laughs>
0: well that's perfect and uh, it's nice to uh see some a formal uh, sonnet too um a little a bit different you've done that before um but maybe this is a little more than normal
16: yeah well let's just say that i was not happy that katie came up with this prompt <laughs> and that we had the the uh, the uh rhythm and and beat issue on oh it was too much pressure so <laughs> but but i gave it a shot and mm-hmm. uh, i've sent it through the portal because it needs a lot of work to tighten it up into yeah. a real well
0: free. there's a whole month for that one like i was saying so this is going to count as the september submission and then we'll we'll publish it one at the end of uh, at the beginning of october so this is the window for it got a whole three weeks or so to work on it <laughs> well this
16: this is this is fresh the garlic has not had time to age in, in the homes so here we go. Uh, So it is called a 419 is more than just a prime. And uh, it's after the reported average atmospheric CO2 concentration today. So or yesterday, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, they keep them every day from Mauna Kea. Yeah. Uh, uh, So here we go. uh, 419 is more than just a prime. If you get a call from a Nigerian prince who promises you millions from his coffers or asks for your firstborn in exchange for two, you know it's a 419 scam you must ignore. Or if you heard over the police radio 419 reports in your neighborhood their code for dead body, another Jane Doe, would you move away from there as quick as you could? Or what about The floods, the flames, the iron-forged heat caused by a surfeit of CO2 in the air from our burning, whatever it takes to fuel our craving, gluttonous beast. Yes, 419 parts per million. We are deserving of whatever fire or fortune's death is coming. Like 419, we are divisible by ourselves and also by nothing.
0: Uh that's great. So that seems like you know talking about um you know, with Elizabeth about whether you're writing to a place and finding it or being surprised. It seems like that like was like you read the number somewhere and then that was like I know that it's a prime number. I can get that last line. Is that how or are I just making that up?
16: But when I I I looked up the num you know the four one nine and then I started saying huh I wonder if that's a prime number Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. because that's the way my mind thinks is Uh like I'll be seventy one next year it's a prime number so much better than (laughs) seventy and then I saw the four one nine scam and the four one nine you know police code Uh, report -hmm. there are you know. There, that's all i need for the poem
0: yeah well that's perfect it fits great for uh for the prompt uh what we were going for so thanks for sharing that dick yeah, thank you tim yep Talk to you soon. yeah Bye. always a pleasure yeah dick westheimer with uh nine is more than just a prime number uh carla schwartz is up next
8: hi hey hi. carla i made it here tonight i'm very glad
0: you did we? and, we're all glad too
8: um and uh I'm going to have to listen to the interview, though, later. And um, I am on the Cape, Cape Cod, Uh on vacation in an Airbnb with this wonderful standing desk. And here I am standing before you. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) And so I am going to uh, read this poem, which is a duplex, which is a type of sonnet. And, um, And I hope it works. So it's called Duplex... I will walk with a smile on my face. Okay. I will walk with a smile on my face, even as the rain-drenched soil muddies me. Though I'm rain with self-pity, I'm muddy with joy. No reason can tear tear from me. A reason that joy doesn't tear me, sour as 24 birds in a pie, 24 soured birds baked into pie. Still, there's a song I sing while strolling, that catchy song I sing while ambling to sweet chirps of crickets. There by and by, the chirping of the crickets by the by, ring out autumn's final golden rays. I'll ring out Autumn's ebbing golden rays as I walk or skip a smile on my face.
0: Yeah, excellent. Duplex, I will walk with a smile on my face. The duplex is a form I'm not all that familiar with. I think it was was it Jericho Brown that, that invented yes. it? Yes. And then, Yeah, so it's yeah. it's a
8: kind of sonnet mm-hmm. except that um, what you do is you take you do you write your first two lines and then your second line uh it gets transformed into the third line and so it's gets strung along Mm -hmm. where you're 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 transforming each line as you go along uh trying to keep uh more or less the same meter uh within the whole uh poem Mm -hmm. and then you end up with the final the final line is going to be uh something that is reflected upon the first line
0: That's very interesting, and I didn't know. It occurs to me now that it's fourteen lines, but I didn't think of it as a sonnet either. That's interesting, and then and then the so it's sort of a a bit of a guzzle, a bit of a pantoum, and a bit of a sonnet, all like mixed together into a a duplex. A very interesting form. Uh, It seems tough to write.
8: (laughs) It it is challenging. So Mm -hmm. anyway, uh, thank you again, and I'll see you soon.
0: Yeah, take care. Thanks. Have a great vacation.
8: Oh, thank you yeah. right. bye right. Take bye
0: care, Carla. so Carla Schwartz with a duplex I will walk with a smile on my face uh, Laura Berg is up next
7: hi hello hey
0: Laura good to see well, you well
7: I think I fell exactly into Nate's uh, fluttering old language and spiders when I tried to do this this assignment I'm not very familiar with writing sonnets and it was and it was challenging but I put it up there
0: anyway okay
7: I'll read through
0: it. Is it dust up? Yeah, dust up. Okay, I've got it.
7: Okay. Dust up. An hour, and spider-tethered 16 books, though it looks as if for 60 years she'd taken pains to stitch shut my poetry collection in her tangled web of seeming imprecision. Of course she must be speedy or she'll die. It takes a web for her to catch a fly, It takes a flotilla of flies for her to stay alive. She can't just wish her mesh away. For me, unhousing her is just a whim to dust that web into oblivion, twirl the duster, free Lord Byron, claim I'm finished with my cleaning, wrap with an old adage from the corps de ballet that art is bound to hurt
0: oh i love it. that end uh is great i, I love the two that uh, dust that web into oblivion that's a uh, great sound throughout that poem thanks for sharing that laura
12: Thank you.
0: yeah it was uh, laura berg with dust up um let's see paul um paul mitchell bernstein is next it might be the first time paul's been on the zoom with the open lines hey paul i think it is right Hey, yeah, this is my first time. Yeah, yeah, good to see you. You've been in the active in the comments the last couple of weeks. Good to see you for the first
17: time. Yeah, nice to meet you, uh, sort of in in person. And hey. uh, yeah, I'd like to thank you for doing this. This is fantastic. When I I started submitting to journals and stuff for you know publications, including Rattle, you know, and it seemed you were, you were like this untouchable, like uh, you know, and rejection after rejection after rejection, <laughs> not just from you, but I always was like, you know, how come they don't say like. They're like oh it's not what we're looking for but so when i saw this opportunity to um to be able to interact with an editor and find out uh yeah learn something so it's been fantastic oh, and i appreciate
0: here yeah i mean that's
17: that's what Making the yourself yeah, yeah
0: yeah uh so what do you'd like to share
17: okay so i'm sharing uh this sonnet called the clear blue sky mm-hmm. um i uh this was tough i wasn't gonna submit i, I couldn't but um Due to the time of year, I woke up this morning and there was uh, some videos in my YouTube feed uh, about this subject. And the and the premise is kind of cliche, um, but I managed to write a sonnet. So I figured that's worth something. Um, so I decided to submit it. So it's it's sort of a mentalist trick, too, because the number is supposed to be implanted into your mind without me actually saying. A mentalist trick. Let's we'll talk about that in a second, but let's hear the sonnet first. <laughs> yeah, so it's called The Clear Blue Sky. That beautiful morning in September in a Hudson Valley village one hour north of New York City, I remember the sky in endless blue and cloudless tower. As clear as I recall the sick, falling feeling in my heart when I heard the news and the souls torn, sudden, lost, and searching for the ones they loved so, shocked and confused, the weight of it crept up. Heavier still when the woman on television warned We should expect at least ten thousand killed out of the clear blue sky that shattered morn, and north of the city a one hour drive, there a piece of my heart sat down and died. Oh uh, that's a great son, and especially uh, you
0: know, with this time of year, um september eleventh is Next week and we'll have a, a show um i think it's our first show on september eleventh if I remember right um we've got uh, Bob Hickok as a guest uh, who has that great nine eleven poem too um uh, so excellent work I, I love that um and, and so so what is a mentalist are you a mentalist paul
17: no no, but i just <laughs> you know i i wrote this i wrote this this morning and i um and I was really struggling with putting a number into the thing so when i And I admittedly, this premise is sort of easy to write. It's sort of like a, uh, um, it's an easy thing to write about. But, um, you know, I figured that if I did it, if I wrote it well enough that you that the number should, you know, Mm -hmm. it should be clear what the number is. Yeah, well, I didn't have to explicitly say it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, that's great. It Definitely worked because we all know
0: uh, what the poem was about. And that number does pop into our head. Yeah, but I'm not a me- I'm not. A me- <laughs> okay, just checking. Just want to make sure you're not going to, like, hypnotize us all and then, uh, you know. <laughs> That'd be great if I could. But... <laughs> all right. Well, thank you. it's great to great to meet you in person for the time, Paul. Glad you're good. I hope you keep coming back a lot. And uh, I really appreciate the really thoughtful comments the last few weeks uh, on everywhere. Thank you. Yep. Take care, Paul. There's uh, Paul Mitchell Bernstein with the clear blue sky. And I got two people still in the lines. Brian O'Sullivan is next. Hi, Tim. Hey, Brian. Good to see you. It's good to be here. It's great. Great podcast today, Yeah, as always. Yeah, so uh, what you got for us?
18: So I have a slightly un-American sonnet, I guess. Uh-huh. Um, it is called At Lilydale, which you might know about Lilydale being a Western New York person, but it is um, sort of the home of the American spiritualist movement, and there's still a lot of mediums there. It's kind of like summer camp for people who well, want to go to really medium.
0: I actually don't. Do you know what like town mm-hmm. it's in or anything? I've never heard of it.
18: Uh, it's near Buffalo, but okay. I wouldn't be able to find it on the map. I don't think I've been there a couple of years ago. It was an interesting place. It's like, hmm. yeah, it's a really strange sort of summer camp for living and people and the people and the dead people they want to contact. It's uh, that's, quite. That's right. odd I
0: wonder. I have a friend from high school who became a psychic medium. Uh, oh, really? And I wonder if maybe she went there. That's that's interesting.
18: Yeah,
5: I wouldn't
0: yeah. be surprised. So, at (laughs) Lilydale.
18: Yeah, okay. And for some reason, I did this in Tetrameter. It's weird, but anyway. uh, At Lilydale. If she sees the numbers two and four around my dad, I might have to believe. I joked to our friends about an hour before I saw my medium, Eve, in her parlor, old mauve and bone. I'd been grinning broadly when I said it, but now as I put away my phone and listen to this psychic from Reddit, reading my dad in twos and fours, the numbers of our house, his locker, Carlisle, his winning ticket, and more. It came you know, in that was a bit of a shock for a skeptic like me. I still can doubt, but there's a lot that I don't know about.
0: Oh, that's great. I love the tetrameter sauna. It's a it's a great... You know, because I, I was late, we got stuck in traffic... And I was thinking I might have to do a diameter sonnet I'm <laughs> going to get one out by <laughs> the time this show happens. But tetrameter sonnets are wonderful. I really like the uh, – I think pen, you don't have to get stuck on the pentameter because uh, it works in ways, too. I felt like it just too.
18: sounded too, like, trippy, like, light poetry, and I don't know if I really meant it to sound that way, but, you know. I think it works. There's a nice
0: contrast to that part. Yeah, at Lilydale, and I'm going to have to look that up, and maybe next time I'm uh, back home I'll have to check that out because it sounds interesting. Really interesting place, yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that, Brian. It was great. Thank you. Yep, take care. So Brian O'Sullivan with at Lilydale and uh, one left, uh, Amanda Youngbar is here. Hi. Hey, Amanda. Great to see you. I think, have you been on once before or just the first time? This is my first time. Oh, well, well I'm so glad can you can join us. I'm Sorry to make you wait. Usually if someone's the first time, I try to get them in right away, but I only just saw you there and I thought maybe you'd been on before because it looked a little familiar in the name, but it's great to see you
19: it's good to see you too i enjoyed the show and um i'm going to read uh my attempt at the prompt poem mm-hmm. it's a little rough
0: but here goes Well, that's great these are all hot off the presses which is what is part of what <laughs> makes it so fun to get to see uh new stuff so let's hear it
19: triska deck aphilia numerologically four i love the number 13 The superstitions surround me like blessings that frighten off the faint of heart and the yellow-bellied. Oh, Friday the 13th, day of my birth. Oh, Friday the 13th, anniversary of my mom and pop. Oh, Friday the 13th, how you bring me luck. Mrs. Pamela Voorhees is a horror villainess who Alice Hardy heroine decapitates. Oh, Friday the 13th. Oh, lucky day for Alice. Oh, forgotten 13th floor. Oh, tarot card of death. In you I am reborn.
0: I invoke the number 13. Uh, very interesting poem. That's uh, Trischia Decophilia, which would be, of course, the love of 13, I guess. Because <laughs> I guess Trischia Decaphobia is is uh, the fear of 13. And that, very interesting to have a poem as a spell, too. Because um, we have uh, Annie Finch is the get, or the poet in the uh, winter issue that I just interviewed. She is the poetry witch. And uh, she writes, um, you know, mostly in form and sort of incantation spells as poetry. Uh, it's really fascinating talking to her. Um, cool to hear that poem. Um, and, and where are you uh, calling from? I forgot to ask before uh, before you go. Oh, uh, uh, Maryland. Oh, very cool. Well, it's great to see you. I hope you join us again soon. It's really fun to see new faces all the time. Okay. Yep. Thank you. Take care. There's Amanda Youngbar with a Triska Decaphilia. They said it right that time, at least. Um, let's see. We are about out of time. And let's, uh, let's go to... Let's read now um, uh, this poem, Hunger, which uh, Bishwajit Mishra uh, shared. We do have a little bit of time left. Let's do that. This is uh, Jayanti Mahapatra, um, uh, born um, 1929 in Katak, India. Um, and became a physicist and poet, which is fascinating. And here is his famous poem, Hunger. So we'll take a look at this. Uh, Here we go. Hunger. So this goes with Bishwajit's poem earlier. Hunger. It was hard to believe that the flesh was heavy on my back. The fisherman said, Will you have her carelessly trailing his nets and his nerves, as though his words sanctified the purpose with which he faced himself? I saw his white bone thrash his eyes. I followed him across the sprawling sands, my mind thumping in the flesh's sling. Hope lay, perhaps, in burning the house I lived in. Silence gripped my sleeves, his body clawed at the froth, his old nets had only dragged up from the seas. In the flickering dark, his hut opened like a wound. The wind was I, in the days and nights before. Palm fronds scratched my skin. Inside the shack, an oil lamp splayed the hours bunched to those walls. Over and over, the sticky soot crossed the space of my mind. I heard him say, My daughter, she's just turned fifteen. Feel her. I'll be back soon. Your bus leaves at nine. The sky fell on me in a father's exhausted while. Long and lean, her years were cold as rubber. She opened her wormy legs wide. I felt the hunger there, the one, the other one, the fish slithering, turning inside. A great rhythm, great poem there, Hunger. And again, that was um, by uh, Jayanta Mahapatra, who just passed away, not too long, his funeral it might be going on right now, says Bishwajit. So excellent to be able to share that poem. I have a look at more of his work. That was wonderful, Hunger. And uh, that's going to wrap up the show for today. Let's do the Saiku really quickly. Um, and the Saiku this week is based on a story that I saw um, earlier today. This is uh, from the University of Kansas. And uh, here we go. This is... uh Study demonstrates adding complex component of milk to infant formula confers long-term cognitive benefits, and so uh, these researchers looked at what was inside infant formula and did a study with that. And um, what do they call it? A um, milk fat globule membrane, an MFGM. Um, And they, when the milk uh, manufacturers. just sort of toss this out. They like pulled it out. It's something they don't need in there. And um, it turns out if they just left it in, it increases um, IQ of over 12 months of use by five points at five and a half years of age right there. And so this membrane has all of these uh, nutrients that are, I guess, really important that we had no idea were important. That's one of the reasons why, um, you know, breast milk is better. But now knowing this, we can just keep it in the milk and um, improve um, the development of uh, milk-fed Babies or bottle fed babies. And that was me. You know, I, I was raised on formula myself. So um, anytime I make a, a mistake or something, I figure I can say, well, I didn't have my um, milk fat globule membrane in my milk when I was, so I, I'd be five IQ points smarter otherwise. So uh, there's always that. Uh, but really a, a wonderful, um, positive news development. We can uh, make babies healthier um, by adding this to formula. So that's great. The Psycho that was based on is right here careful shaking the baby bottle careful shaking the baby bottle that is your Saiku for this week and that is the show for this week thanks everybody for joining us um next week's prompt in the Rattlecast is going to be this right here inspired by elizabeth mcmoon uh tatango's book uh, various lies write a one sentence poem that includes two truths and one lie, all in one sentence. Write a one-sentence poem that includes two truths and one lie. So that should be interesting, Uh, a really fascinating look at those one-sentence poems uh, that Elizabeth does, give you a chance to try out that minimalism, but also have something to go with two truths and one lie. So looking forward to seeing uh, what you come up with with that. And next week's guest in the Rattlecast is going to be a great one. I already mentioned this earlier, but next week's guest, Bob Hickok. He's got a new book, Water, Look Away, which has this sort of narrative angle that's really fascinating. He's also, like I said, has that great September 11th poem, so I thought it'd be a great time to have him back. He was the guest way back on Rattle, like 15 maybe, or or some number back there. It was before I had multiple cameras. So he was, uh, I could see him, we could all see him, but he was talking into a blank space because my one camera was taken up by uh, the feed and I couldn't get it out to... um, out to on the uh we were using skype at the time and so so bob had to sort of talk into empty space and uh this is the first time he's going to be on the show while he can actually see me as we have this discussion i'm really looking forward to he's always been one of my favorite poets and this new book is wonderful water look away by bob hickok he's gonna be the guest railcast number 210 monday september 11th uh, that special day uh, but the regular time 8 p.m eastern 5 p.m pacific hope to see you then hope to see your one sentence poems we'll see you for the critique of the week we'll see you for uh, you know katie and I's show on twitter if you want to join us there too we'll talk about the prompt poems um so a lot of stuff going on as always hope you have a good week i'll talk to you later good night